She keeps them always shunned in a pretty cabinet. Let them eat cakes, she says, just like Marie Antoinette. A building remedy for Christian and Kennedy. At any time, an imitation you can't take. Caviar and cigarettes, well versed in etiquette, extraordinarily nice. She's a killer queen, got body gelatine. We are now recording. This is Out Now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron and Abe is... He's not here. Uh, Out Now is a film podcast where Abe and I normally discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics, jump into a mostly spoiler-free review, then jump back to the other film movie topics. This is episode 342. 342. And this week we're talking Bohemian Rhapsody, the uh, new biopic covering both Freddie Mercury and Queen. And uh, joining me today to discuss Bohemian Rhapsody, we have from Fast Film Reviews on guitar, it's Mark Hoban. Hi, everyone. From Movies Marcus on bass, it's Marcus Robinson. Hello. And from Award Circuit on drums, it's Joseph Braverman. Hey, everyone. Nice and sweet <laughs> on those, I think. Sometimes I write the long. I, 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 you know, the band thing works out. I think, I think You're it, pretty good. Yeah, I think it goes well. Yeah. Yeah. How are you guys doing this evening? Very well. Very well. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Okay, good. <laughs> Fine, yeah. Marcus, glad to have you back, of course. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I tried to get you on for First Man, I think, a few weeks ago to make it the whitest movie you've ever talked about us with, but that didn't pan out. So, uh, you know, a clean film. That's what's one way to do it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. <laughs> that works for me. Yeah. Mark, good to have you on, as always. Yeah, good to be here. I uh, I think you're a pretty big Queen fan, if I'm not mistaken. I do like Queen, yes, very much. And uh, Joseph, it's been uh, been a little over a year since we last had you yeah, on. Yeah, I think the last movie we talked about was Mother. So yeah. I haven't seen Suspiria, but I feel like my reaction might be somewhat similar. I don't know. We'll see. You got you got a few weeks before it uh, <laughs> yeah. before before it becomes a, a huge mainstream hit and it will be too popular to see. I'm sure. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll figure yes. that out. Before it becomes the Razzie frontrunner or something, who knows? <laughs> but no, well, I'm glad to have all you guys here. <laughs> let's um let's get to some show notes stuff real quick. First up, uh, new commentary track. It is November, which means that we will be having a new commentary to record. We do one every month, and uh, yeah, this month's no different. So look out for one of those. Still got to figure out what we're going to talk about this month, but it should be something good. And uh, what else? Um, speaking of our bonus episodes, we do have all of our horror episodes that we've been doing throughout October. Uh, we finished all those, obviously, because it's November. But those are all on iTunes and Spotify and Audio Boom now. Uh, they're a lot of fun to record. We talked about uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly, Lethal Ladies of Horror, female horror directors, uh, just a lot of good content. So, uh, yeah, be sure to check all those episodes out. And uh, speaking of which, if you like all the episodes we've been doing, both these main episodes and our bonus episodes, iTunes, log on to there. Give us a review and or rating. It would help out our show. It would help us uh, help other people find our show. Bump us up on the old iTunes charts. So, uh, yeah, give those a... Uh, Give that gave us a little help there, and thank you in advance. And yeah, I think that's it for all our uh, show notes. Let's move into it, guys. Let's get to some know everybody. Reach we can ask each other a question or two. Try to set the tone for the podcast. I better get to know oh, everybody. Know everybody. Thanks. Thanks. I, Thanks. I got it this time. Yeah, you did. You're on time. <laughs> all right, there. I'm out of here. Yep, you're out. <laughs> Thanks for joining. <laughs> Got to go, go out on a high note. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, I got a question for all you guys. What's the last song you rocked out to in your car? I feel like we've all at some point rocked out to some song in our car. 
I, w- I want to know what was what's the last. Oh one? my god, so embarrassing! I was leaving the gym today, and uh, Madonna's "Papa Don't Preach" was playing, and I'm not a huge fan of the song, but it's like, you know, it's catchy. It's like, <laughs> whatever, it's there. So it was on the rock station, so I was like, okay, why not? <laughs> That's but, a good one. Huh? You know, I couldn't help it, but you know, you can't say no to Madonna. So anybody else? <laughs> uh, uh, you go, Marcus. Oh man, thanks. Um, <laughs> I just got Sirius XM, so there's a musical channel, and they were playing some uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, and I was pretty, I was going pretty hardcore. I know by heart. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess that one. All right. the, whole, the whole album. The whole the whole album. You the just, stayed, album, you just yeah. stayed in your car. Yeah. <laughs> you arrived at, you, car, you arrived at work three hours ago. You're just still exactly. going. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, I wasn't really rocking out to it, but you know that song Havana? Like Oh yeah. Camilla Cabello. Well that's not really a rock song but i'd say it had to be a rock song i just been rocking out in your car when you're you know yeah. singing along I, I like to like blast that song bop in your head <laughs> <laughs> uh, no b-52s i can uh well, you know i honestly i've been listening to a lot of b-52s and queen lately for because those things have been happening but um right. but yeah that was the last song i enjoy rocking out in the car um, I, it's fun to do it with Anna, uh, especially. I, I depending on what uh, what station I put it on. I think just today, um, Jimmy Eat World's "The Middle" uh, popped on. Okay. So you know, sang, right. sang along with that, of course, because you know, the words. <laughs> it's easy. Um, yeah, that's all. Always a good time to rock out the car. All right, that's how you play. No, hey, everybody. Hello, everybody. That was good. That was good. I like the layers. Yeah. <laughs> who needs who harmonizing? Needs <laughs> who needs Abe? Yeah, who needs Abe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, guys, let's move on. Let's get down to quickies. Kim. Yeah. Thank you. See, Joe, <laughs> Joe, they, they they know the beats, so you know it's all good. It, it works out. Wait, what is? What was this segment called? This segment's called Out Now Quickies. Oh, okay. yeah. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. Which, 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 that, which is trademarked, and so, you know, we, <laughs> Abe makes sure to, he backs me up on these, but he's gone. I like to have some of the regulars, you know, they they help out. Because right. the, the show is a community. That's what I say. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Each weekend out now, we have a movie with the week to talk about. Tim? Yeah. All right. I moved through that pretty quickly. <laughs> so let's get through it. Let's start off you, Mark. Uh, what other movies have you seen recently? Um... Let's see. Well, it's been a while. So I go through like a lot of the things that I I've seen since I was last on the show, if or you, just if you got some quick hits, some quick thoughts on some more more of the recent films you've seen, yeah. Okay. Well, I saw Beautiful Boy, and uh, I I wasn't a huge fan of it. Ugh. I think I think Timothy Chalamet I think gives a really great performance, but uh, the rest of the film I just found kind of repetitive. It's sort of this cycle of relapse clean forgiveness then back on the drugs and it it happens a few times and um i just found steve carell's character really frustrating and maybe that's how it really happened but it still wasn't a captivating film for me so i i just couldn't really get into it i i want to stop you right there just because i know joseph's a big fan of you oh, yeah. <laughs> so. i was like when you were talking about how it was repetitive it's just, honestly just reflecting that cycle of 
abuse and you know regret and then trying to move forward and then having it happen all over again it's a very vicious cycle so i thought the way that they tried to show that it wasn't you know cinema in the way that we're used to where it's like this perfectly three-act structure or whatever you're used to it kind of just mirrored life in a very monotonous fashion but i think the emotional moments especially you know with chalamet's performance really really hit home um i mean i and it's not going to speak the same for everyone. We all have different experiences. We, most of us all know someone or friend of a friend or family or whatever that's been affected by this. So of course, it's going to touch a lot of people. But if you're not in the thick of it, it might not resonate as severely as, you know. I mean, this is I, an adaptation I, I, of something? It's actually two memoirs. Yeah, it's, it's memoirs of both the actual father and the actual son. Uh, right, and this the is the father. So this is why I kind of can justify... Shall me going supporting, I would say, if anything, because it's not. I mean, it's his POV in a lot of scenes, but he really doesn't make a mark until midway through the movie. I feel like very much for the first 45 minutes on, it's mostly Steve Carell, you know, uplifting or holding up the drama. Mark, what are you going to say? Uh, well, just that I, I think I said it, but the, that I got the cyclical nature of the film and I understood what it was trying to say and and the sort of. Uh, despair of it all um i just and i i think timothy chalamet really gives a great performance so i i, I did appreciate the film for that it's just i guess uh the fathers um i'm not even sure if it's steve carell's perf- you know one of the I things think i think it's kind of carell's performance i don't it's think he's somewhat good that <laughs> but it is it is also his the way the father really reacted to this but if we're gonna talk about steve carell he gets frustrated and kind of gets angry in a way that I just kept seeing Michael Scott from The Office. And it's hard for me to, like, take him seriously. And I've and I've taken him seriously in other films. I thought he was really good in, um, uh, what was the, oh, I always Fox, forget the name. Fox this, Fox the tennis movie. Oh, well, ba- Fox Battle Catcher, of the Sexes. Yeah. yeah, Battle of the Sexes and also Foxcatcher. I think he was really good in both of those. So I didn't have a problem, you know, buying him as those characters. But in this, I, I, his sort of frustration is, I'm, I'm angry. And I just... <laughs> <laughs> I just thought saw him, and then also it didn't help that uh, the what's the other woman's act, the actress? She's also from The Office, and so she's Amy in Ryan. Thing. Amy Ryan, so yeah, like the most has, bizarre Office reunion you could probably get here. So. All our part, but uh, I don't know. I, I I totally see. I felt like he was giving what he could, but I don't think he was cast very well. I think someone actually mentioned. I read through it on Twitter once time. Um, someone said that it'd be interesting if like someone like Tom Cruise were to come in and play that role how that might have been very different, uh, you know, if maybe he would have, you know, elevated that performance. I can see that because as far as like seeing someone that's quote unquote, frustrated, like a a picture of perfection for lack of a better way to say it and to see that be challenged. Like I I can understand that kind of perspective, but anyway, Mark, what are are the things you got in there? Oh, I saw the hate you give and I really enjoyed that. Um, uh, I'm enjoyed as sort of a, I mean, because it's a very powerful film, but um, I I really thought it was a well, really well acted. And I think the thing that I I, I thought um, the uh, the star uh, Amanda Steinberg uh, was extraordinary, but I think what even elevated it more uh, were her uh, parents. Um, yeah, Russell, they, Russell Hornsby and uh, Regina Regina King. Uh, yeah, really, I I really was struck by Regina King. Um, I think she, um, both of them actually, they formed a, a family that I hadn't really seen before in a, in a movie. 
and um, not Regina King, Regina Hall. Regina Hall, sorry, I mixed them. You said King, and I I followed it, but you know Regina Hall. Yeah. Um, yeah, she. I thought she was really good, and 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 also Russell Hornsby. They're they're kind of very different parents, um, but they both want the best for their their girl. And I, I just thought the the family dynamic was really affecting, and uh, and as actually there's a lot of great performances uh, in this film. Um, her uh, childhood friend Khalil, who's actually doesn't make it very far in the film, Algie Smith, he in just a very short performance gives a really powerful connection with this girl, and I really felt their friendship. You know that you know it, it was just. Really well done. So a, a lot of good I, things I, to say about that. I have, a, I have a question for you, Mark. Did you, because I saw this movie too. Um, did you think it was at all anti-cop? Anti-cop? Anti-cop, yeah. Mm, no. Okay. There actually, I do think I thought, that, I, I mean, if you I compare th- this movie to like, uh, say like black Klansman, there was a little more nuance and balance that's what i kind of find. and there was actually a really interesting scene with amanda simberg's <laughs> character and common where they had this big powwow about if what he's doing does he feel like he's justified and who he stops and stuff so th- that conversation was there i just felt like maybe the film could have explored that a little bit more too I, that's why i thought it was a more leaning towards an anti-cop thing uh, even, I have nothing against that. I, I, I thought provocative is provocative. And right. I liked it probably as much as Mark did. But I, I thought it was lean when they had that conversation. And this is the one kind of good cop because, I don't know, he's a black cop. And, and he's common. And he's common. <laughs> and he's very, yeah, exactly. He's, he's the soft spoken, you know, common. Mm-hmm. And then he says what he says and you go, okay, well, there we go across the board. It's this is not some cops are good and some there's a problem with cops. Right. It was basically so I have not, so, yeah, the system itself was you know. I think bit, this is I know. think this is one of the first movies that I, that I've seen that totally 100 percent goes at, goes and says cops all all across the board are in the wrong. So you I think, but you this, think that and, it was saying that? Yes. Even with Common's speech and everything that they yes. stuck in there, because because he basically reaffirms what she's thinking, and she looks to him as oh, kind right. of like, please don't well, say th- this, I, that, please please don't say that's, this. it's not so, kind of. Yeah, that speech was sort of inserted kind of hastily in the movie. It wasn't that wasn't my. Favorite. I enjoyed that speech. right. It was good, but they needed to expand it. That was the problem. I mean, I enjoyed there, it, there more conversations like that throughout the film than it could have felt. Like, I have nothing wrong with it being provocative, and and if something is anti this or anti, I have nothing wrong with it. I like the movie probably just as much as Mark. But you, but you're, just, you're you're seeing it from Amanda's point of view, and I don't think it's the yeah. movie's responsibility to have to present every person's side. So but I from think the movie her is perspective, going, I think it, the movie is going towards that. Like and I, I think, think the movie wants to say that. And actually, a big part of the film isn't even that. It's this sort of dichotomy that Amanda has between these two lives yes. she's living at school and then at and home and done, her own personal conflict. So that's that, a big part of the film. Not, not even having perfection. Nothing that's, to do. Nothing to even do with cops or right. anything. Right. What, what, There's a lot of different things going on here, but I thought that was an interesting aspect that I I wanted to ask more people about because I thought it was for sure, and I. N- I don't have any problem with it because I, I love a lot of provocative things. I think people should be able to say what they're going to say. 
Uh, I just wanted to hear what more people were saying. I think if I if I was to come down on it as far as what it's trying to ascribe to, I, I think when you keep saying provocative, I feel like if the movie... I feel like provocative is giving the movie a lot of credit. I think it introduces an idea that, like I think like Joe said, it's not necessarily capitalizing on it to a greater extent, which is why I don't think it's over, like an overall fantastic movie. I think it's a really good movie. I think it's really well, well worth seeing, particularly for folks that are maybe not as uh, adept to scenarios that are going on um, and why things become an issue as they are. Um, but as it stands, it's certainly, I mean, even if it's not, totally ascribing to being complete anti-cop it's certainly you know saying there's a there's a systemic problem um, it's, that's it's, going on it's not as I, yeah you're right it's not as layered as something like blind spotting or something like that mm -hmm. it does have a lot of i guess for lack of a better term like bet kind of blackbuster movie of the week kind of stuff in it but it's handled but very well the acting it's handled is strong, very the well production I, value is good i like the um you talk about the dichotomy between the schools i do like that uh was it director george Tillman Jr. I, he uh, he takes away of like of, of every time you're at the school, it's shot in like cool blues and grays. Like it has a completely different look than the the warmth you get from the other scenes outside of that school. Like there's there's things going on to make it more than just like a TV movie or like like mm, like, yes. like like a homework movie. It doesn't feel like right. I'm seeing this just because it's important to a movement. It feels like <laughs> no, this is just a really well done family themed movie it's not for necessarily all families although i think it's there's an important viewing aspect to it but i think it works as kind of mainstream entertainment yeah all right <laughs> anyway. uh, yeah no right. I, I think i liked it a little bit more than you a little bit less than mark maybe i'm right up there with mark i think we all like it about the same i think we we're just talking about different aspects of it I think. maybe different aspects i was just curious about that and, and joseph for that matter i think that, you, you like yeah. the movie too right? i did i i gave it a solid b i mean it was it was definitely yeah, so. provocative in the right ways. I just felt I'm more, I lean more toward nuanced work and messages and themes. So it's just like, for me, something like Black Klansman, I felt like it, it was, it presented reality in a more accessible way when it comes to that sort of stuff. So, sure. well, let's get to you, Joe. What, what other movies have you seen recently? Um, I actually saw Boy Race last night, and it was such a great palate cleanser after seeing Bohemian Rhapsody the night before so in terms of like something that like it touches on you know the homosexual experience but in a very more authentic way um i it was just it wasn't watered down i mean even the intimate moments they were they didn't need to be graphic and they weren't but they were still felt and that was important so i don't know i i really it was a great way to sort of bookend my my movie weekend so is it so? I'm I'm curious because I like Joel Edgerton's last film, The Gift, which is seems decidedly different from this movie. But I uh... it is, but they it still has the same suspense factor. I mean, he's very he's very much trying to go that tour route. I can I can definitely see it in how he presents different shots. There's a very sort of clinical, sterile way that he depicts things, but it it works. I don't. That's. I just like his style, I guess. I understand. So, so, I, so I, my, my question is, is, you also like Beautiful Boy. Is it like, yeah. is it a big barrel of cries like that movie's trying to be? Or is there more like to go on, to go off of? No, I feel like the way that this is handled is a little more conventional. I mean, you do have definitely, you jump around in timelines and there's a lot of, you know, um, broken flashback narratives and that sort of stuff. But I mean, I, it very much uh, plays out like your contemporary, you know, I'm very, I'm very interested. Drama. I'm very excited to see this film. I, I'm curious what drew Joel Edgerton to this story. 
I, I would love to sit down with him and say, you know, what, what about this story touched you that made you want to tell it? But I mean, I haven't seen the film yet, but I, I sort of I know it's based on a memoir as well. And I, I sort of generally know the story. Um, so I was just wondering what Joel Edgerton's connection to this story is. I'm sure he and Russell Crowe are just like sitting around a bonfire and like, you know, it would be fun if we got all our Australian friends together and Lucas Hedges yeah. and made this movie. No, there's definitely, I mean, the gift is sort of, it deals in sort of this sort of suspense genre, but there's there's definitely a focus on, you know, the unraveling of domestic situation. You can see that sort of mirrored in uh, Boy Erased in a lot of the scenes. So I feel like he definitely gravitates towards the same type How are of the, stories, and the... but they're, they're obviously on paper vastly different. The performances, are they all like Oscar worthy? Yeah. Uh, I mean... There's one I dislike, but the rest of them are pretty amazing. Okay. <laughs> Russell Crowe? No, it's Xavier Dolan. <laughs> Xavier Dolan's in like, the movie? Yeah, he sticks out like a sore thumb. I And I love his work. I just, I, I mean, I felt like Troy Sivan was just a much more natural fit. Wasn't Xavier uh, Dolan just in something? Wasn't he like... Was he in Bad Times at El Royale? Was he in there? Did he like pop- I did not see that movie. So he I think he popped been. up in like one of those two. And it's like, why is he's acting? <laughs> like he's, he's doing movies? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Marcus, what else have you seen? Um, I also saw The Hate You Give. You know, we talked about that. He is in Bad uh, Times. Sorry. He is in Bad Times at El Royale. Just throwing that out there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw Suspiria. Um, uh-huh. Um, much you want me to talk about that, but uh, I know you liked it. I, th- I think you liked it, Aaron. I was a big fan. Yeah. I think you were a big fan. Yeah. I, 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 I think I'm the opposite. I'm still pretty confused. Um, I guess, okay, so it's about a woman who goes to Germany mid Cold War, early Cold War, mm-hmm. and gets into this dance academy that run by witches run by okay so you know okay there we go (laughs) run by witches and weird things happen for two and a half hours but not that much not as fun as i'm making it sound um i i really didn't like this movie at all and it's more more i didn't think that it the meandering and the literal mumbling of the movie with a few little shocking moments of grotesque ultraviolence was justified in this two and a half. It, it, the story could have been told in like an hour. I agree. Um, and I get the visuals. <laughs> no, no, no. I get the, and the, the, you were, were going to go the visuals and everything like that. I think the visuals could have been cut down as well. I, I think it's, it's a hard, okay. It's, it's a hard one to, to rail hardcore against because I just thought it was kind of boring more so than anything. And I, I just didn't, I don't know why I sat there for two hours and 32 minutes. Now saying that there was something that kept me there for two hours and 32 minutes <laughs> because I wanted to see what happened. The but $20 after, you spent on the film. No, 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 not even that. I, there was something there. I, I don't, I was listening to people mumble around and I was trying to figure out why well, I, I, I was, I was looking at Tilda Swinton dressed up as a, as a doctor, as a, as a male old doctor. And I, I was trying to put it together 
and I was kind of done with it after about an hour, but I still sat there and I still watched it and I, and I was kind of wanting to get to the end of it. I have to tell when you, this, got, is, this when, is one of my favorite reviews of Suspiria I've ever heard. Right? <laughs> so, and what, but when it got, and when it got to the end, it was kind of exactly what I thought. And, and, and I had to, when there's like a little epilogue and, and when the epilogue starts, I, I had to close my mouth because I'd realized it had been open for about 10 minutes. <laughs> but I don't, I don't want that to sound like a, a positive thing. I don't know. Like I'm so confused. You're, you're, you're working hard not to recommend this movie that you keep I'm making sound intriguing. I'm, I'm not <laughs> recommending this movie at all. Um, the Tom York score is amazing. It's great. Yeah, that's it is something you could you you should buy. You know, and listen to. It's it's perfect. It's like perfect. But the movie itself, I I just don't know. And I I talked to one of my friends who saw it, and they kind of tried to explain what they thought it was about and i go okay even though you're probably right i don't how do you justify two and a half hours to sit through that i mean you pay money it's good to get your money's worth you know no okay i need (laughs) that's not aaron your your take aaron is more is more i don't Always, I don't agree with that. But. That's not my take. I just like. Well, you had that thing not, about okay. editing, and why are people objecting to long movies? It means you get more, more of it. That's better. So I don't, I don't. Or is not more. I, Mark, I don't want to make it sound. like I have layers to my thing. I didn't write just simply. That's it, and there's no other I, question I'm about condensing. it. I'm dancing. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to make it sound like a Transformers movie because those movies you walk out. This is not. I, I sat there with about there's about ten people in there. One guy walked out, which is, which he was kind of done with the movie really quickly. Everybody else sat there in silence for the entire two and a half hour period. Crazy. There's a crazy ending that is just nonsense. It's, it's just alarmingly nonsense. And they continued to sit there with me. And the ending happened. This feels like a and therapy the credits, session. Like, the, <laughs> just watching you try to analyze your experience the, with this the, thing. And the credits rolled, and I looked back at them to see reactions, and they were just blank-faced. Like, it was like Invasion of the Body Snatchers or something. It was... I, I couldn't... <laughs> I couldn't somebody else has to watch this movie and tell me what's going on here, because... that I get, And that's my review. Well, I look, now we definitely have to have a separate night's discussion <laughs> with, with Abe once he finally sees two, because that... That review is amazing to me, um, but, but okay. So uh, mixed. <laughs> yeah, <I'll watch. laughs> exactly. There we go. Mixed, mixed. All right. Uh, Was there anything else besides this? I I saw um, guilty. The guilty, the guilty. It's the Denmark foreign language oh. submission. Okay. Um. It's you know what it reminded me of uh, that Stephen Knight uh, lock yeah where it's all it's about a guy and he, um, he's a, he's like a dispatcher but you they really focus on his face it's all taken the whole movie is is him his face basically mm-hmm. um as he walks from one room to another room and he takes the, this this call from this woman who he uh, believes to have been kidnapped who is being kidnapped at the moment and we watch him as he tries to you know, save her essentially. Um, we don't see her. We don't see anything outside of these, this, this, uh, uh, 
these four walls, I guess. Um, it, it, it started off as kind of like a, kind of, oh, no, okay, kind of Twilight Zone-ish premise that gets a little bit more Twilight Zone-ish. And then it becomes really good in like the last 10, 15 minutes. It, it becomes almost like profound about what these two people shared and everything like which, that. Which country is this? This is Denmark, I believe. This sounds great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, it's very good. Like it's very good, and I think it's his. It, uh, I'm looking at, I'm looking at Gustav, Gustav Moller. Yeah, it's his first feature film. First feature, it's his first feature film, and you know, the performance from this lead character is fantastic. Um, I thought I would kind of get a little bored because there's a lot of moments where he's not on the phone and you're watching him. But you're sitting there really thinking stuff through with him, which is awesome for a movie like this. I, I have to recommend it. I when I, I was sitting through the credits and I, and I really was thinking about the movie afterwards. It really kind of made a, a an impact, which I didn't have about an hour in. It's only about an hour and a half. That yeah. last hour, half an hour, really pushes it over and makes it into something more powerful. Well, yeah, that sounds terrific. I'm desperately trying to find if I have a screener copy of this movie because it sounds great. I saw. I do well, have I a screener copy of this movie. I'm going to watch this immediately. Right. Yeah, I thought it was. Cool. I thought it was very good. All right. Um, I've seen a few things that I'll make note of. Uh, first up, I saw the other new release of the week: uh, the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. Um. <laughs> It's, you know, I I was more into this than I expected. I'm not going to say it's great because it's not great, but I think it's given that it's kind of a botched production. I know it had Leslie Hallstrom was the original director, then Joe Johnston took over, and in a striking turn of events, it's like they they got co-director credit. Um, uh, but like it's it's a it's a big Disney uh, princess live action movie, and it has little to do with the actual Nutcracker story beyond. Hey, look at all these references to the Nutcracker, but I mean it's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward. It, there's nothing much to write home about, but I mean the production design is fine, and maybe I was just in the right mood. But I I this was harmless. Like it it looks good enough. It's not long, <laughs> Mark. So don't worry. About, like, I'm not saying more is more in this, but um, but it it was fine. Like I I was completely content with seeing this movie. Anna and I saw it. We both kind of thought about the same. It's it's fine. It does it does the job for what it's trying to do, even if it's not like it's it's kind of a, a rare misstep for Disney at the box office, though. It it's kind of a flop. Yeah, it is. It cost 130 Very... million dollars. It's expensive, and it's and like... it's and it's rare for Disney to have those kinds of flops. So I, I'm just curious, like, what about the? Well, wasn't... Does, it, does it not seem to be something audiences would like, well, Aaron? Wasn't the uh, the second uh, Alice in Wonder Wonderland movie? Wasn't that a foreshadowing to maybe they shouldn't? try to repeat that same format or formula well, because I mean, that movie, I mean, I guess it, it made up its money overseas, but domestically, I mean, it was no one, it was not nearly, you know, as popular, as huge as the very first one that yeah. Tim Burton released. I mean, so. Mark, Mark, to answer your question, I mean, it's because there's nobody here that's going to draw you to a theater and the IP is like, what, the Nutcracker? Okay. Is that, yeah. is that really strong? Who is right. in this movie? Helen Mirren, Kira Knightley, and, uh, and uh, Morgan Freeman. You know, I'm bo- sold. Bo- box, uh, you yeah. just, you just, I didn't even know that. You just sold it <laughs> yeah. to me. No, I haven't even seen a trailer. Well, if you, if you didn't know that, that's another reason why you didn't go and see this movie. <laughs> like, 
I mean, the the marketing's all over the place for this thing. Again, it's the Nutcracker. It's not exactly like, oh man, I finally get to see another version of the Nutcracker. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what they're really trying to sell you here. That like in a in a year or at a time when there's so many other options out there right now that are kind of in your face and more, you know adaptable to what you want to see whether it's a giant musical about queen or a giant musical about bradley cooper and lady gaga or a giant musical about witches i mean you know any any three of those things um seem to be kind of drawing your attention a bit more um than you know disney's nutcracker thing and even disney's kind of like we got wreck and ralph coming do we really need to and mary poppins no less and a month later do we need to really spend too much time uh saying hey look at this nutcracker movie we spent a wildly expensive amount of money on but uh but no, as I said, regardless of how it's performing, it's fine. Like, I wouldn't have to rush out and see it, but it, it's... <laughs> I, I was expecting it to not be as good as it was, so there you go. Um, I saw mid-90s. Anyone else see this one? The Joni Hill directed movie? I did not. I wanted to. Um, it's a very A24 movie. I will say that. It is very much... It's a you know, coming-of-age story. Um, kid in the mid-90s. Uh, befriends uh, some skater kids and Jonah Hill he apparently took a lot of inspiration from the Sandlot uh, which is something I read after the fact but I noticed during the movie like there's a lot in common with Sandlot in this movie which is kind of it's weird for me to think even that movie I guess is almost <laughs> almost 30 years old at this point uh, it's like oh we're at a time where we can act I guess it was just over 20 years old it's like I guess we're at a time where we can like make a movie that's structured and nostalgically referencing the Sandlot, um, which was neat to see. I guess I, I think it's uh, as a directorial debut, it's it's good enough. Like it has a it has a neat look to it, shot in like the Academy ratio, so it's four by three. Um, I think the kid performances are are pretty good. Um, it's very like as opposed to the Sandlot, it's very profanity laden. Like it's like the kids are like just swearing up a storm in this movie. Um, and the, and the story it's telling, it's pretty loose, um, not much going on beyond like, Hey, you get to observe these kids in the summer, uh, you know, learn about life and whatnot. Like it's not, not too, um, ambitious as far as what it's trying to kind of do beyond distill this time of life, um, that Jonah Hill wants to kind of relate to, but like, it's pretty good. Like it's, it's, uh, it's enjoyable. Uh, it has its moments. And uh, Lucas Hedges uh, is in this too. <laughs> um, and I haven't seen Boy Erased yet, uh, but I have seen Mid-90s. And I'm like, oh, this Lucas Hedges, he's pretty good. <laughs> like, I haven't, well, like, I'm trying to think of the other things I've seen him in so far. And it's what, Three Billboards and Manchester I, and uh, Lady Bird. He was in Lady Bird. And, Lady yeah. Bird. and it's like, I like him. I don't think he's bad. At the same time, like, he's good. Like, I didn't really think much of him beyond like he's pretty good i saw this movie and was like well it's just, this is pretty remarkably different from everything else i've seen so far and so i was like oh this guy okay he's starting to impress me a little bit more i guess beyond like i know he can do this thing well well he's doing like a completely different thing really well so good on him like he seems to be having a good year take that timothy chalamet i guess i don't know, <laughs> I don't know. and uh, the last thing i'll mention is the front runner mainly because that comes out on election day uh, the jason reitman film uh anybody Joe, do you see this one? I have not. I have zero interest. Okay, okay. It's not on my radar, but okay. Um, well, yeah, it's the it's the the second best Jason Reitman film from this year. Uh, it stars Hugh Jackman uh, as Gary Hart. Uh, goes over the 1988 presidential campaign where he was the front runner, and then things quickly uh, went the other direction based off a scandal he was involved in, and 
it has a lot of Altman in it. Uh, there's a lot of like overlapping dialogue and kind of uh, a loose way of shooting scenes to kind of cover conversations and whatnot. Uh, this one, again, I think there's a more interesting story to delve into that it kind of refuses to delve into as far as the kind of person Gary Hart actually is as opposed to the things going on around his life at that time. And because the movie kind of refrains from delving deeper into him, it's harder for me to be like, oh, this is actually very good. It's interesting enough, but it, I've seen this kind of movie before. And yeah, I I think it's fine, but nothing, uh, nothing too special. Hugh Jackman's very good, but I think Hugh Jackman's generally pretty good. Uh, J.K. Simmons is also in here, as he's in most Reitman films. And he's also solid. Like, he's J.K. He's JK Simmons. He does his thing. Uh, but yeah, it, some good performances. It's okay-ish, uh, but... I don't think it's going to, even with its novelty of coming out on election day, I don't think it's really going to set anything on fire here. I think it's it's just kind of fine. So yeah, it's the front runner. All right. That's not a quickies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Let's get to our, uh, let's get to our trailer talk real quick. We talk about what, one of the newest movie trailers of the week, when it's coming out, what we thought of it, what have you. This is where we're talking Rocket Man. Uh, this is the upcoming biopic for Elton John. Uh, directed by Dexter Fletcher, who uh, has a hand in the film we're about to talk about, and uh, stars Taron Egerton as uh, Elton John. Uh, let's get to you, Mark. What, what do you think of the trailer for Rocket Man? Uh, I, uh, I think I'm sort of excited to see it. I mean, I, I don't know what to expect, really, but um, I like Elton John. And uh, Taron Egerton is an appealing presence. Uh, he's a good singer too, actually. He was one of the voices in Sing, so and the animated film. So I, I know he has a good voice. Um, do you know is he singing the music or is I'm he lip syncing? I'm not sure as of yet, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did some, uh, you know, audio work. Um, but I don't. I don't yeah, know. I didn't really get a feel for. Oh, sorry. I didn't really get a feel for what take they're going to do on the movie I, the fact that elton john is still alive and and now they're they're doing this biopic i have a feeling that it's not going to be too you know it's not going to delve too deeply into his life because they just they generally don't do that when when the person is still living um so you know but it might be a sort of a nice light-hearted uh picture i it's really hard for me to to judge but i mean i i do think that there are factors in the film that lead me to want to see it i'm reading this now he is singing the songs okay so good on him it kind of did sound like that in the trailer for a little it, it didn't sound like elton john well there's there's movie magic marcus i mean they, they tried to convince us that russell crowe can't sing in that one movie i refuse to, <laughs> to i refuse to hear that What'd you think, Marcus? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm with Mark. There's, there's not a lot you can get out of this the, the teaser that I saw. Um, I'm a big fan of Eddie the Eagle, and it's directed by the same guy. Yeah, and that, it's starring the same guy. So that was, a, that was a fun film, yeah. Yeah, if it's just light, if it's lighthearted like that, like if 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 it's like that, then I'm fine with that. Um, I was hoping to get a, a rated R. Elton John movie, but you know, obviously he's still alive. Like it, Mark's saying everything, uh, you're not going to get that rated R kind of behind the candelabra thing I, I, that I wanted to see. But you know, it doesn't look bad. Joe, uh, when I saw the trailer, I just felt a sense of deja vu, like I was seeing 
the trailer of Bohemian Rhapsody all over again. And then I actually discovered today that Dexter Fletcher was directing and I had no clue. And so I was like, oh, this makes total sense. Um, I'm not really wild about casting Taron Edgerton. I mean, I, I, he's, you know, good on him that he's a great singer. Uh, he's a good actor. No arguments there. Um, it's just like, when I look at him, I see Taron Edgerton. There's nothing about what, how he looks, how he performs that makes me think, oh, this could, this guy could one day, you know, transform into Elton John. So that, Sort of already distances they me. Put the glasses on them. They put big red button uh, chops. <laughs> you know. you can, I mean, you can hide them under the glasses, but you know, you still have to exude something of some sort of familiar spirit over there. Yeah, I, that's but, that's I valid. I, I I do agree with you on that. I don't think he suggests Elton John to me just physically, but that'll have to come through the performance. I um. I won't deny that the Taron Edgerton thing as far as like, yeah, it's like, okay, we just kind of found a person um, that, that I guess fits, but he can sing, so good on him. But I like Taron Edgerton in general. But I think we're selling this a little short as far as what I was seeing visually. I know it's a like a minute and a half trailer, but there was like, it looked more fantastical than a standard biopic. It looked like they were really going for something different, um, which I, I want to see more of, I guess. Like there's like people dancing in the streets and... I mean, he's floating at the end of this movie. So it's like, okay, like, especially, I mean, we're about to talk about the movie we're about to talk about where I'm like, ambition is not the key word I'd use for that one. So this is like, okay, maybe this has something, maybe not to the extent of like across the universe or something, but it seems like they got a little more up, up their sleeves for Elton John, which I'd be happy to see. What do they call it at the end? It, it says like a, a fantasy something. What is it? That it's just a little blurb at the end. It's like a, Real life fantasy, something like something. that. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, I can't remember. Based on a true fantasy, or there something. it is. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna say it's like you know this is gonna be the 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 pivotal Elton John story, but at the same time, if it gives me something that's not the same as other music biopics that I've seen recently, um, I I'd, <laughs> I'd be yeah, I'd be I'd be happy with that. I so. feel like you guys have already reviewed Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> your college. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that in a second. Just wait I, till I get up there. I loved Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, well, let's let's get let's get to it, guys. Rocket Band Horizon Theater is uh, May seventeenth. It's a summer movie. It's it's coming out in the summer. Yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> take that Memorial Day. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what Rocket Band's coming out. Let's move on, guys. Let's get to our main review for Bohemian Rhapsody. Enjoyed the show. I also write songs. Our lead singer just quit. Then you'll need someone new. I love the way you move on stage. The whole room belongs to you. Don't you see what you could be? No one will play us on the radio. We need to get experimental. Do it again. One more. How many more Galileos do you want? Roger, there's only room in this band for one hysterical queen. Let me go. Oh, that you go. 
Mark these words. No one will play it clean. Fortune favours the bold. Freddie, concerning your private life. What more do you need to know? I make music. I want to give the audience a song that they can perform. What's the lyric? Ready, Freddy? Let's do it. You need to slow down, Fred. I just need a bit of time. What if I don't have time? That should have been some of the trailer for Bohemian Rhapsody. After years of false starts, most notably with the involvement of Saucer Baron Cohen, a Queen biopic has finally arrived, detailing the career of the band and most notably Freddie Mercury. Rami Malek stars as Freddie in a film directed mostly by Brian Singer until he was fired and replaced by Dexter Fletcher. Bohemian Rhapsody chronicles the early days of Freddie and the band and follows them over the course of much of their career, mostly by way of how they establish some of their biggest hit singles. We also get a look at Freddie's personal life, which supposedly adds some depth given his struggles with his sexuality and hard-living behavior. Still, we eventually get to see the legendary Live Aid performance, and it's all roses from there, I guess. So, Mark, I believe you already established yourself as a Queen fan. What did you uh? What did you think of the film? Okay, so uh, you guys have sort of telegraphed your uh, point of view. I am going to be the most positive on this film. I really like this film, actually, and I think it can be summed up in never underestimate the power of music or a great performance. And this film has both. Um, it's it's a biography about essentially I mean it's kind of the formation of Queen and all the members although Freddie Mercury is sort of the the focus of that and I think that what it does is well is it gives you sort of these little vignettes about some of the formation of some of the songs how they I mean there's liberties lots of liberties taken in the in the story but uh, how they came together. And, and sort of just sort of a, a superficial telling of their story. But I think what it does really well, first of all, Rami Malek is extraordinary in this film. And I think despite the fact that he doesn't sing himself, which is always such a big thing these days, I think that he, through his physical gestures and emoting makes me believe that he is singing these songs and uh, he gets the the gestures and the physicality of this man down so well that I really felt like I was seeing him. And, you know, like you mentioned, Aaron, that Sasha Baron Cohen was originally cast. I think physically he's even a better choice to play Fred Freddie Mercury than Rami. Okay. <laughs> oh, wait, wait. I, I, oh, 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 that Cohen is a better? I, th I thought that Cohen is a better choice to play. Oh, uh, yeah. No, okay. I do agree. I thought you were saying yeah. the opposite. Okay. He, he, yeah. He physically looks like, but I think, Physically, the the gestures and everything that Rami Malek does in this film um, sell it, and I think that uh, I, I mean I can I guess maybe I'll just respond. I know you guys are going to rip it apart, and I, I can respond to your <laughs> your 
I, you know, uh, issues with it. But I mean, it, it culminates it with this. I mean, I don't think I'm spoiling anything here, but he, he culminates with this live aid perform, uh, performance. And the, I mean, I was, I, I've never thought that Radio Gaga was a great song. I've actually always thought that was some throwaway ditty. And for the first time in my life, that's, I was weeping at that song. And you go, how could you weep at that song? It's a, it's a, such a nothing song. But in this film, it makes you do it because of the audience participation and the, and the, the way it, it manipulates your emotions and there is a lot of i mean there's a lot there's a lot of issues with this film too i mean it wobbles in parts and 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 i agree i'm not saying it's perfect I, i'm i'm mainly taking up for the film because i know you guys will will rip it uh, oh there we go <laughs> but, but i think that uh i, I think it, it's just strong and i walked out of the theater feeling like i i don't think that a biography necessarily has to delve into the um, uh, the, the you know the all the the, the R-rated escapades in order to necessarily be successful. I, don't I would I would I would put this on a level with things like the Buddy Holly story, La Bamba, and What's Love Got to Do with It. I think those films also sort of do the same kind of thing. They don't really delve into. I mean, the, I, I, What's Love Got to Do with It delves with with uh, Ike Turner and that. But as far as the star is concerned, it treats them all pretty like well. And I think this film does deal with – we were led to believe that it wasn't even going to mention AIDS. Well, the movie does mention AIDS. I mean it, it's, it's clear that he dies from that. And it also deals – I was led to a, believe that. Oh, well, I was. I, 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 don't, I don't know why. I don't know what, what movie would be where it's like, and then things ended. Like, what, what's it going to do? Before the film came out, there was some talk about how, like, it was going to sort of, uh, you know, sugarcoat his story. And I think it does. It does gloss over things in certain parts. But it does deal with his, you know, uh, affairs. And, and uh, it, 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 I think it does deal with that to a, to a certain extent. And I got, I got a film that dealt with his life and also presented a lot of really enjoyable numbers i mean and then the music i didn't even really get to that i was talking about the performance so much but the music is really of course spectacular you you probably would need to be a fan in order to really enjoy this film but i think if you're a fan of their music and and you can get behind his performance i think you'll you know enjoy it joseph what'd you think of uh um actually i I don't hate it because the parts I loved, I really loved. Um, I'm more of a wobbly thumbs up. I just felt what this movie was missing, not only that it didn't delve into his personal life, but it didn't contextualize the time period and the fact that, you know, Reagan had risen up. I mean, I understand not every movie needs to politicize things, but I think it in this movie, it, it was detrimental because a lot of the things he does and the actions he does and why he's so private are because of what's going on in real life, especially as a, a huge public figure who reached all this fame um, very quickly. Um, and so it was kind of hard for me to swallow a lot of the stuff that was going on, especially I'm from, I'm part of the LGBT community. And so there was a lot of kind of subtle correlation made between the gay lifestyle and, you know, um, sex and orgies and debauchery and doing drugs. It's sort of, and then they sort of, contrasted it with hey look there's this beautiful girl look at this safe heterosexual lifestyle you could be having but yet you choose this the thing is is that being gay being bisexual it's not a choice but those other bad behaviors are a choice but they were not in this movie it was trying to argue it was, it was trying to lump everything together 
And that was my biggest issue with it um, from a personal perspective. So I don't know if it was just the direct, if the screenwriter kind of glossed over because maybe he's not as educated in that department um, or Brian Singer kind of had his way with that kind of wanting to sugarcoat it. But for me, I, it did definitely rub me the wrong way. A lot of the story threads rubbed me the wrong way. Um, the whole scene, all the scenes with him and Paul, um, it just, that love triangle, it just felt very out of like something out of like soap digest or something. It was just very off-putting for the most part. Um, but other than that, I mean, I love the beginning. I love the chemistry between, you know, Malik and the rest of the cast. I love that the cast, the band, the band members, they were, you know, played by unknown people. So it didn't really take away from Malik's performance. <laughs> nice. Timmy from Jurassic um, Park was there. I mean, he's always... I did. I mean, he was, must have been a bit player, but he's the drummer, um, or he's the he's Deke. He's the he's the bassist. <laughs> yeah. Again, like there's a lot more. The, the band member that had the least to know. say. <laughs> well, and, and you know why that is? It's been Brian a May. Seen, Brian so May and Roger Taylor are executive producers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, the, he's the one guy that's not a producer on the film. <laughs> he's not an executive yeah. producer. Yeah. So he. Oh wow. Yeah, but yeah, I, I mean, definitely, like you said earlier, it culminated in this very amazing moment at the Live Aid concert. So I am forgiving. And so, like I said, there's a lot of great things in this film. It's just the middle section, a lot of the story threads that they tried to weave into the film. It just, it, again, it rubbed me the wrong way. So that's all I can say about that. Actually, Joseph, uh, which everything you said, I, I kind of agree with. I think that... Um... I, you actually maybe liked it a little bit more than I thought you were going to, but that Paul Prenter character, which was uh, uh, his manager, and then they have sort of this on and off again relationship. That was not, I could not figure that. I mean, it was a very poorly defined. It's a very it was underwritten a part. Defined, yeah, <laughs> that, that was yes. that was confusing. And and it's it, there's one part where he make he he makes a pass at him and he rebuffs him. So then it's like, okay, they're not together. And then later on, they, they seem to, we're supposed to assume that they are. And, exactly. and then his, his, is he some kind of Svengali guy, like guy that's sort of causing Freddie Mercury to change his music, which then the rest of the band, it was like, I've read things about, I know about Queen. So I sort of know the, tr well, I don't know if I know the truth, but I know, I know a little bit about what has been written. So I had to fill in the blanks, but it's not clear in this film, like what's going on. So that it was very poorly defined. Not helping is that his character is presumably around for 10 years. And apparently based off this movie, no one said anything ever about this to call, call this guy out. That's clearly a bad thing for Freddie Mercury, but <laughs> I want to get to Marcus first. What did you think of the film? Um, you know, I, I think I have different issues with the movie. Um, first, let me say I didn't hate the movie. There's some good things. Remy Malik, Mark talked about that. He's absolutely, he gives a commanding performance. He's very, very good in this, better than I thought he was going to be. Uh, mannerisms and, and, and everything. Um, Brian Singer does a great job with these um, on-stage performances. To, so much so that even when I was kind of done with the movie and I had to sit through the entire 20-minute Live Aid set, and I had, you know, and I had to kind of like, oh, he filmed it in such a way that it kind of resembled the next men movie, so I was with it. I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. He's just sweeping in and a lot of overhead shots and kind of getting into it and uh um you know radio gaga like mark said is not the greatest song in the world but i was kind of into it okay fine you know 
tapping my foot along. Where this movie's flaws are in the are, are in the writing in the script. Um, I think the focus is is off. Um, for me, I think it focuses way too much on the members of Queen, other than Freddie Mercury. I don't. Okay, to, to say it bluntly, I really don't care about anybody else in Queen other than <laughs> Freddie Mercury. I, I want. I paid see, money. Marcus, I paid money. See, see the executive <laughs> producers. Yes, exactly. This is this is what I'm talking about. And 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 when I had heard about that whole Sasha Baron Cohen fallout and everything, I I, I want to believe it's because he, him and the band members didn't really see eye to eye on right. where how much Freddie was going to be in and how much Freddie was going to be in the forefront of this movie and how much this was going to be a Freddie Mercury movie versus how much was going to be a Queen movie. And when I when I watched the movie and every time Freddie said something, they would have some kind of little retort or this band member would get some screen time or this other band member would, they would have the food fights and all that stuff when they should have been focusing when they could have used that time, the food fight time for more important stuff. Like, like uh, Joseph said, the Reagan stuff or the era stuff or something that was going to push the story along. I feel that they really had a heavy hand in giving these people equal time to this movie that is a is supposed to be a Freddie Mercury movie, no matter what anybody says about Queen, it's this is a he's Fred, he's he's the reason I bought the ticket. I want to see Freddie Mercury. He's the reason you paid Suspiria movie. money for this movie. I paid Suspiria money to see this movie. Right, exactly. So that was my biggest issue with it. Um, I think the writing is really indicates. The writing really indicates somebody really going, I need a line here and I need a line there. And Freddie wasn't really the leader in that aspect. And Freddie wasn't really a leader. And we should all have an equal say in everything. And there's even a scene that says, we need to all have equal say in our group. And we need to all have equal whatever. And maybe that happened. But man, somebody in that, in that group had a real issue with Freddie being the front. And it really comes across in this movie. That was that was probably my biggest issue with the movie. There was still a lot that I liked, but man, that I I really wanted to see a Freddie Mercury movie, and this was not the movie that that this was not that. That said, if you're a huge fan of the music, who cares? You, nobody's gonna care. You're gonna go in this and you're gonna be singing along. There's plenty of performances. There's about ten performances, uh, not to you know, it to, uh, in, in in that twenty minute performance, that live aid performance. You're going to be into this movie. Is it a good movie? No. Is it a Freddie Mercury movie? No. Is it the Freddie Mercury? Is it the Bohemian Rhapsody movie I wanted to see? No. Is it a bad movie? <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's not. I um. <laughs> I. I can. I mean, so by the way, this movie made fifty million dollars this weekend. It's you know, it's it's a box office hit. Um, it's going to keep making money. It's making money around the world. Also, it's already made like one hundred forty million dollars around the world. Um, I I don't I don't deny that an audience is going to probably like this movie. Is when you when you have a sh- when you have an entire ending devoted to Live Aid, it's hard to not walk out of the theater and feel you know feel up, <laughs> feel very positive about the whole experience just then because yeah, you got to get the music. I um. 
I don't know how many points I'm supposed to award a film for using Queen songs. It's that I don't, I don't know. I don't know what kind of credit you get for putting Queen songs in your movie and claiming that is a good. I mean, Wayne's World did that. I mean, that was just four guys in a car. I mean, so it's I, I don't I don't know what we're. I, I Wayne's I, World didn't have Rami Malek. It had Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, I, I have the same sense of high from that scene as I get from watching any Queen song in any movie ever, including this one about Queen. Um, but that's here or there. Sure, the music's great. That I, you know, there's nothing new about that. They're you know, forty year old songs. It's, it comes with it. Um, I I hear a lot that Freddie would be like honored by this movie and whatnot. And I just I feel like that's just not true. I don't see how Freddie would like this movie depiction of him. Both because of all the ways they shift the narrative around to make him seem like the bad guy, um, such as like saying he's bad for going off to solo albums while the film never addresses how the rest of the band, you know, some of them already did solo albums before him. Um, right. Things that's like, that's things that's like one that. of the big things that's yeah. not true. Where they did a, first of all, Queen never broke up. They never they, broke this up. Imply, yeah. 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 And and like you said, the the two other members of the band had solo albums before which he, he did. Which so he was when he, he, he helped collaborate with them on. So it's like the it's a that that might sound like nitpicking, but at the same that the same thing comes with the whole AIDS discussion where I mean the movie moves around his AIDS diagnosis to before Live Aid when it didn't come until a couple of years later. And again, yeah. It's like okay one could say, yeah, okay, that shapes a narrative, but to me that just says, well, we had no creative other way to handle a story around this person so we just made shit up and it just doesn't ring true to me. it does it, it makes it feel disingenuous to who he was and i'm not saying i i wouldn't argue that this needs like an r rating or a grittier approach to make an appropriate queen movie i'd be happy seeing like a giant rock opera or something that's way out there to just to to just go really run with it if you want to make it into something that's hey look look how crazy queen is look at this interpretation of their songs into a movie or something go with that whatever the movie i got here though what my issue is one i think it's an ugly movie i i think newton thomas siegel's cinematography and the very cg heavy audiences and green screen stuff i kept noticing throughout just kind of made it not look very good but also it just it's so formulaic in a way that I just I don't understand how that still happens in the, in 2018. I, I feel like I've seen so many other musicals and movies that you know uh, adapt the lives of people in ways that are interesting and dynamic to me. Love and Mercy stands out. Uh, the the the, uh, the the Beach Boys film. Like as far as how can we tell a story like this and tell it in a way that hasn't been done over and over again? And Bohemian Rhapsody just sits there and it's like, well. We know Walk Hard exists, which skewers this entire genre very effectively, but we're still going to make the most by-the-numbers from uh, from nothing to a giant star format possible, which I just, there's nothing ambitious about that. And I feel like Queen is a band that requires that kind of ambition, something to set it aside from everybody else, because that seems like what their mission statement was, to be different, to be out there to go somewhere wild with it. And instead it just gives you this very by the numbers portrait of Freddie Mercury screwing details at the same time uh, and strapping everything together by way of the songs. And those scenes are nice. I think the, the whole work to make Bohemian Rhapsody into a song, like there's, that's a fun sequence. The live aid thing is obviously, you know, that's fun, but nothing here stood out to me as far as why I should be giving this more praise. I think Rami Malek, I think he's fine. 
<laughs> I, I think the prosthetic in his mouth kept distracting me. It, like just watching him like really suck on that teeth thing. It just it, <laughs> it like I and so it's like I, I could just call this a live action Wikipedia, but given that Wikipedia is accurate, it's hard for me to say that. It just feels like a big budget lip sync video. That's kind of my impression <laughs> of this whole thing. Not to mention everything that Joseph pointed out as far as the time and approximating who Freddy was against what the film's messaging is, which I find to be kind of icky, honestly, as far as what kind of, you know, the people that are fans of Queen for what they stood for, I feel like are getting a disservice to what it is that Queen stood for versus perhaps a more conservative crowd that just is happy to see, oh, a bunch of fun guys got together and made these songs. So yeah, I, did, I wasn't a big fan of this movie. I didn't, I didn't like what it was doing. So do you think that has everything to do with the band members being executive producers, oh, yeah, they think, really think, said, think, we're not going to focus on this. We don't want to focus on any kind of political anything. We don't want to focus on that. We want to focus on kind of this buddy comedy or not buddy, buddy <laughs> biopic movie. I think we're the worst thing that could have happened to a Queen movie is having Queen involved with it. Um, now, they wouldn't get the songs without Queen involvement. So, you know, they needed that, obviously. But I'd, I don't think that their participation in the film helped the help telling the story. It helped rounding up all the, you know, the kind of, there's, I'm sure there's plenty of details and things that go into the look of the movie, the look of the band, the look of the costumes, the set design, you know, obviously the, the music interplay. I think all of that probably got an assist by having Queen's involvement, but as far as how we're telling the story, I mean, you get scenes where Freddie's the only guy that's ever late or he's the only one that ever parties while the rest of Queen are the most like family-oriented, fun guys ever in a rock band that never did anything bad whatsoever. Like, it's, like, this doesn't, yeah. it's like, this doesn't feel right. There's something, there's something off about this. Right. Well, I think part of that is because Freddie Mercury is the focus. So you're not, if, if you were going to go, I mean, I agree, they make the rest of the band almost seem like they're saints. choir choir <laughs> boys or something because there's nothing, they don't do anything. But you can't give depth to all those different guys you know because then your your movie would be like four hours long so i'm not saying saying that the depth is like what's missing there it's just more of just the the basic look of this thing and like what it's telling it's it's telling it's giving me such shorthand where i mean you mentioned the paul thing The, the film has no it has so much lack of depth that i i'm legit more confused walking out of this movie than i was going into it as far as who's who and why things happen the way they did yeah, I guess for me, the positive is outweigh the negatives. And the negative is, yeah, it's not very deep. Um, but the positives are Rami Malek, the music. I think I think you're selling the music. Uh, I mean, maybe it's just an opinion, obviously, but I think you're selling the musical performances short. I think I think they are. Uh, it, for me, they were emotionally involving the Live Aid thing, especially. But I, I think the the formation of that uh, uh bohemian rhapsody song uh, you know in any biography of a music musician it's they're gonna have to do shorthand and and i men- mentioned some movies i think the buddy holly story la bamba and what's love got to do with it are all guilty of, of taking shorthand and and demonizing certain characters and making other characters seem like saints and they do shorthand and, and i don't know what you guys think about those films also well, generally I, I, I just i think that this is a movie that can learn from the many right, right. other biopics so what, that are right, let's try something new right so i mean so i i and I'm not saying that this is best picture of the year, uh, but I do think that I, I walked in, you know, kind of actually I walked in sort of ready to not like it because I had heard a lot of bad things about it. And I walked out thinking, ah, that was actually kind of fun. I mean, I I didn't really um, I didn't get the, I didn't get the gritty 
you know, politicized uh, dissertation of the 80s AIDS Reagan era thing. But I, I did get a a sort of superficial telling of, of uh, you know, uh, I, I don't even want to say his life because it's really just his his in, as when he met Queen it's, and it's then this version of his life. Like, I, yeah, it's not, yeah. I don't know. I, I didn't. I didn't walk out hating it, and so I. I. I and it, I. So I. It is hard for me to say. I, I agree. With, I kind of agree with everything you guys are saying. I mean, I don't really uh, say it's wrong, but I. The pendulum swifts into. You know, it swings into the positive for me rather than the negative. And I. I understand that. And again, like I wrote in my own written review that audience, if if you're looking for clean songs and you know enough to strap together something where you're having a fun time. The movie doesn't not give you that. I don't. I don't hate well, this movie it, either. I just it, think the it, it I, does. Mm-hmm. It does give you some interesting things too, though. It gives you that his his family life, his mom and dad. I mean, you get a little bit of like you know they're you're, you know from this other country. You get a little bit of this. His girlfriend is a little bit of an interesting character. I, I still don't yeah, Lucy, understand Lucy Boynton. Yeah, from but there was. So that, here's another part where I thought the the screenplay uh, cuts such things short though. There's a part where he tells her this is early in the film. It says I'm bisexual, and she goes I thought you were gay, and that's like the end of it. What? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> so what? Why did? Why are you dating him? Or I, I needed more. I wanted, and why? She's so matter of fact about but it. Doesn't, doesn't have that have everything to do with the fact that this wasn't focused on it, Freddie Mercury. This was more focused on Freddie Mercury less the band because then we got shots of them having the food fight and we got shots of them you know saying i have to go home to my family when we should have gotten more development on that storyline the storyline with him and and uh i forget what was his name brian or something um paul yes we should have gotten more development in those storylines and pushed out that other garbage mark what you're what you're pointing out to me as far as like getting some light on his you know his his upbringing and whatnot yeah, that's there, but I mean, I could replace that with any other number of biopics and just get the same basic thing. Swap out the parents for another set of disapproving parents and swap out the girlfriend for a different girlfriend. It's just, there's there's nothing new here to me. It just It's like, it's any movie, it just happens to be Queen this time. And that's, that's ultimately why I can't, like, say much positive beyond the music that you're already well aware of that you can put on your speakers at home and listen to very loud and get just the same. Like, and just read the Wikipedia article. And just read the Wikipedia article at the same time. It's like, that that's what you get. <laughs> and that'd be more accurate, too. I mean, just staying at home and doing it that way. And you don't have to watch people, you know, lip sync the songs. I don't deny the, you know, you're in, if you're in a big theater, you got a bunch of speakers around you playing that live aid performance, you're not going to walk out unhappy. Like, that's obvious to me. It just... What else is there? What 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 is here for me to like say? These are reasons enough when there's so many other really good things out in theaters too. I just I don't know what I'm like after this movie's out of theaters. Like why should I watch this again ever and not just listen to a night at the opera? Yeah. Yeah. What what other what other positives uh, do you guys see as far as I guess like the performances go? I mean I think we all. Even if I'm less on Robbie Ball, like I still, you know, I think he's good. I just the, but like everybody else in this movie, I, mean, I think get, mm-hmm. honestly, I don't. Know. We'll have to see what you know. I till the end of the year, but I think Rami Malek is good enough to be nominated for a, a best actor. Oh, I won't I, deny I, it. I, I'm sure he will be, and I'm sure he'll win the Golden Globe. Uh, you know, I, I, I see <laughs> that coming. If, if they put this in the musical category, of course it is. Drama, of course. Right? I can't. I can't I, imagine that being. A I don't drama. think. I don't think they're putting a Star Is Born in the musical category. 
I know they're not doing that. Uh, I think these, well, that's surprising. Both of the movies are going to be against each other because they're both going to be placed in the drama category. They're putting this in I drama? Heard. Yes, that's what I heard. Yes. It's like all it's half music and a lot of comedy, and they're putting this in drama? Yeah, so... Well, then he won't win the Golden Globe, guys. I'm sorry, but still, <laughs> I just counted that one out. How about the rest of the cast, though? Do you guys like anybody else in particular? Anybody else stand out? Um, well, I thought the rest of the band members really do look like the people. Yeah, I mean, their hair budget was great. Right. Uh, one guy looked like Howard Stern a little bit. Oh, he did. Yeah, that's a, I, <laughs> sorry, I immediately noticed. Brian May has that hair. Yeah. From Private Mars. Yeah, did you guys? Did you guys like Mike Myers? popping up no so that was that was the problem yeah. wait that, who was that, he okay because i that, was looking out for him and i did not even that remember. record guy that said oh nobody will ever listen you, to a six uh, the, song the, the guy doing like a fat bastard accent that looks like mike myers didn't stand out to you as mike myers <laughs> and I, he's the guy that they cut to at the very end of the live eight concert where they say no time for losers and then they cut to mike myers right, right. like oh, okay just in case you weren't you didn't you forgot he's a loser <laughs> He 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 said that no one would listen to a six-minute song. That that was silly. He, his performance was not like I mean, it was not on the same level anywhere near like Rami Malek. So I don't know why they well, decided to well, do that joke joke stuff. So here's the thing: I think Mike Myers is good on his own, and that's part of why I don't like this movie. I feel like there's a version of this movie that could have more scenes like that, that are more just out there. They're more like, yeah, sure, let's get Mike Myers in for a cameo. Let's do weird stuff. Let's, like, make I it more they... like what Queen is. Like, just this this band that goes out of their way to do things that are not the norm. And and because and I, I was enjoying the first half of this movie a lot. It's when it got to all the drama stuff when it just feels so wobbly seems to be a fun term for it. It just it fell away from the kind of energy and spirit that I was seeing in most of the film. That, that performance didn't fit the, the film, though. At that, that point, that I, performance I didn't think was it, like, it, it didn't stick out to me at, it, at that point in the film. I didn't think it was... It was basically his performance in Inglorious Bastards, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's like his performance it's in Glorious Bastards. Right, but the Inglorious Bastards was... That's a that's a movie that's going all kinds of different places and trying a bunch of different things. And if so, it fits. But this one, it, you know... I think leading up to more, it, though, if it's... More, it's more. I mean, it's, it's more lighthearted, obviously, because it's before the hard days of Queen set in. <laughs> anyway, I, I talked about the look of this film and how I'm not a fan of it. Did you guys like the construction of this movie? Did you like how it was kind of shot and everything? The performances were good. I agree with Mark. The performances were 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 filmed well, even though it's the CGI, the big CGI Live Aid stuff. I thought that was fine. I thought it that looked was like CGI, though. That's the it looked like CGI. I, I, out, I, then you're going to be thinking about it. So. I had no problem with that. Yeah, I, I, I think I sort of like, I sort of, I, I, I think it just depends on whether you're caught up in the emotion of it, and if, if you want to like see, you know, the, the, the cracks in the, in the technology, then you can. I, I sort of forgave that. I didn't, I didn't think it was so glaring that. It didn't bother me. It take... didn't bother me in the Live Aid stuff. It was more like there's you know, scenes it, where it, just kind of sitting outside of in like <laughs> in England, and it just feels like. They're not outside at all. This just feels like they put some like, bushes up somewhere and just put a green so, screen behind them. You know, another movie I saw recently, uh, I didn't even mention this in the things, but it was Venom. And I, I thought that the CGI was really wonky in that. And the funny thing is, though, I, I, I overall, I enjoyed the film. And and I thought the CGI just sort of was like, ah, whatever. It's it's just kind of like the whole movie is kind of goofy with capped off by Tom Hardy's ridiculous performance that you're just sort of like, ah, yeah, th that's not the greatest CGI, but it, I'm okay with it. I don't know. 
But I mean, yeah, you can. You, I guess you, sometimes I can get that it would bother you, but I don't think the CGI was so glaring that it took me out of the film. And I was caught up in that. So the Radio Gaga, where they're all clapping, I don't know why, because I've always thought that song was just some silly, <laughs> silly throwaway thing. And and I was like, genuinely, I mean, I I, I like that song now. <laughs> this right. movie made me like it. Yeah. I agree. Anything, any other thoughts on uh, Bohemian? I'm trying to think of anything else to, to kind of get into on this movie. Um, you know, I, I have a question just about a plot point. There was a part where they throw, the, uh, Freddie Mercury throws this kind of lavish party, and it has this carnival-like atmosphere. And then the the band members kind of, I guess they leave in disgust, or they're upset. I forget why they leave. What was what was so offensive? I mean, the party, there's nothing in that party that is offensive. I mean, I think they must were glossing over like the party in real life must have been some really, you know, Bacchanalian thing. But what we presented with on screen it wasn't enough to make. There was one part where he said, well, "Where's, where's your girlfriend?" It's like, "Oh, this isn't her scene." What, what? There's, there's a, a little person walking around and and then people serving food. I, I didn't get what was supposed to be so offensive about that party. I mean, I, I just think it's because we're in a. A watered down version of what the debauchery that Freddie Mercury is supposed supposedly involved in—that's kind of the best they can do to kind of fit the the tone of the film and its rating that they're going for. Uh, so we, as the audience, are supposed to just sort of like connect the dots that there's debauchery happening that we just don't see. Essentially, yeah, I think that's what it's trying they could have done more, but and they could have still kept the rating and still kind of implied stuff. I mean, I didn't see anything at that party that even remotely seemed like something bad. And then and the band members, am I correct that the, I forget, the band members leave the party and sort of like, yeah. they're upset? He insults the drummer about some something to do with him being uh, a womanizer, and then everybody must go home. Like, we, we're, we're leaving, we're out of here. We're retiring early. But they look yeah. like sticks in the mud anyway, so... Yeah, like, so, so that's one uh, of the things where the, the screenplay doesn't quite... Well, as, as we know, according to this movie, the rest of the band of Queen were the only 80s rock band ever in the history of rock bands to not involve themselves in parties. That just wasn't their thing. <laughs> it was just a party. <laughs> it's the clean of the life they live. Um, oh, the drummer was such a womanizer, I only saw him with one woman. <laughs> well, they're all family band. They all had to get home and everything. <laughs> that was their thing. Well, that, that was a that was Me, a, meanwhile, we get I, to another scene where they're filming like the music video for "I Want to Break Free," and it like gets banned from MTV because of like <laughs> whatever they deemed at the time was so you know too rough for television. One, there was one line where uh, Freddie Mercury goes, "You guys all have families and children. What do I have?" That does not sound like something Freddie Mercury would say. <laughs> I mean, I don't know him, but that line sounds like the band member writing for him a lot that of these lines that was that was that line rubbed me the wrong well, way that's what that's like it gets me in the issue where it talks about him like the the whole fake breakup thing that they have because like later on you have freddie like basically begging to get back in the band it's like that's not a thing like that's there's no, there's no version of queen that freddie needed to like beg his way back into the band to be a part of their thing again it's, it's just mm-hmm. it's stuff like that where i i get that it's not a documentary on queen or whatnot but you know, it's one thing to to kind of loosen up with the facts, but it's another thing to out and out lie about who the person was or who what's going on with this thing to 
for mere, merely the purpose of shaping a narrative around somebody, that just means you need a better writer if they can't do something, you can't do justice to what's going on. And the, it's just, it's all those, it's just a lot of little stuff like that that keeps sticking out to me where I want to enjoy, it's like, you know, I want to like the movie. I don't want to come in and be like, I hate the Queen movie, but it's like, give, give me more to like then. And it's just, that's not where I was with this. No matter how many great songs that I've heard many times before, they play on the soundtrack. Joe, you have anything to add on the, in all of this? <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty much in agreement with all everyone's negative points. I mean, I think it's it's, <laughs> it's really hard, uh, like you said, just to double down on it. It's really hard to walk away from that final, you know, that climactic uh, sequence at the Live Aid concert and and hate the film because it just it 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 just swells your emotions, and so you kind of forget about how much you disliked it now that we brought it up back up again i'm like oh my god there's so many things that i just seething like. over there yeah exactly i'm like oh god this stood out and this was horrible yeah so i mean yeah it's it's tough it's tough because it's like i'm happy that this movie's doing well but at the same time it's like it's almost disappointing too because then the studios are just going to think okay let's just repeat this formulaic process over and over again and it's as long as it makes money, who cares? They're not going to try anything inventive. So if that, to me, from an artistic point, is kind of demoralizing. So we'll see what happens. That, that's what sticks in my craw as well. Like I, yeah. I, I don't think it's, it's not going to lead to better things if we can just kind of no, get, away with, get away with patching together the songs because those are already great and you know just let the rest of it be whatever well, the rest of it is. It, 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 I would say it might lead to more musical films i don't think it necessarily means it's going to be uncreative i mean you, you could still i mean a star is born is is pretty creative and that's a musical film um you know and then uh, i mean well there's other ones but i'll just leave but it like at that. That, I, tri I, that tries to do something i would say like even if it's repeating a story again i i, I do think it's it has cooper like hey i'm gonna do it my way and add whatever he adds to it in a way where it, obviously it's been successful, but like, I'd rather see movies follow yeah. that in that footstep than this movie. Yeah. I mean, I, honestly, a star is born is pretty formulaic. I mean, that is, that's I, about I, as formulaic as you can get. So it has, the I, benefit I of, it has the benefit of not telling a story of somebody that exists though. Also, like it doesn't need to, but I, I do think I, I liked, I liked a star is born, but I, I, I don't, I don't really raise a star is born onto like the level of the greatest film of the year that some people have. I, I think it's agree. very formulaic, I, yeah. I agree. but I think, I think what the thing that a star is born has is great performances and great chemistry. And I think that's what, what makes this film great is Rami Malek. And so, and I, and I said the music, so I, that was, you know, enough. I mean, I, I you know, and I, I, and I did walk out of the theater kind of like, wow, that was really kind of an emotional experience. And, you know, and then when you start to pick apart, like, well, why, why did she, why did they do this or why? Yeah, there, there is some kind of questionable uh, script choices. Um, but I think, the, like I said, the positives outweigh the negatives. So. And like, I, I would say, I, I, it's not like I knew all of the things that I know now after the fact, but at the same time, walking out of the movie, it was the Paul thing that stuck out to me. Like, that's what made me think, like, well, I like most of this, but that stuff's so bad. Because you just don't know who this guy is, but he's, he's, he's like, why is there a mustache-twirling villain in the middle of a biopic? That just, that's weird to me. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> he, his haircut kind of reminded me of, like, Peter Parker in Spider-Man 3 when he goes emo. It was just like, it was that sort of, like, campiness. I was like, oh, God. You know. 
get me out of here. This is too much now. Well, let's let's yeah. wrap it up. Let's start moving on. Where when should people go and see Bohemian Rhapsody? Let, let's start with Mark. Oh, I would say at the theater. I mean, it's the music and the spectacle, and I I think it's enjoyable in the theater. Joseph, I would concur. I mean, I think uh, doesn't have much replay value if you take it home with you, but will certainly have a good uh, immersive experience. I saw it actually. I was lucky enough to see it at like uh, one of those Dolby enhanced theaters, so okay. it was, the sound was very much oh wow effectively reverberating all around me. So it was <laughs> quite amazing. Yeah, Marcus. Oh. Is Redbox still a thing? Yes, wait, wait. <laughs> yes, Redbox is still a thing. Yeah, I'd wait for wait wait, wait for a video or video on demand or whatever. Yeah, Redbox it's... is literally the only physical renting oh. service you can get right now. So yes, it's still a thing. Go to your local Tower Records and. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I I would wait. I you know I'd wait for if you get a fancy presentation on your TV it's a it's a good way to watch it and get the sound and watch it that one time and then be like oh yeah these guys were accurate about their portrayal um but yeah you know it might cause watching this movie might cause somebody to pick up a book and read like one of the many biographies about Freddie Mercury and Queen and maybe that if it inspires someone to do that that might be a good thing I or, li- or listen to his music. I mean, I always okay, think. Yeah. I mean, I've been watching a lot of uh, YouTube videos of Queen to kind of see the, which is also kind of why I'm not as big on Remy Malik. I think because like, oh, Freddie Mercury is pretty impressive on his own. Um, but yeah, I always, I always enjoy the idea of learning more because you are interested in it after the fact. Like that's that is a, it is neat to kind of do that kind of research. I think in the same way that I I like to think some people were inspired by like First Man to like research more about NASA and whatnot. But uh, anyway. All right, that's our take on uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Let's uh, let's move on now, and I think to move on, I might be able to add a certain somebody to this call. If I can. Wait for it. it. It's Ava, I'm out of here. <laughs> hey! It's time for What's That Noise? Hey, you've now joined the the, uh, the show with us. Yes, that is not the answer. The answer was rustling wind. Okay. <laughs> well, Abe, I, I'm glad you're here. You're, you've joined us now with, uh, with Mark, Marcus, and Joseph. Hello, gentlemen. I'm sorry to have missed the entirety of the podcast. I have some obligations. <laughs> You can, you can all say hi back. It's, it's okay. Hi. Hi. I'll never forgive you for missing my Suspiria review. Oh, he'll edit, so he gets to know all about it. Oh, I'm I'm gonna listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Abe. It's uh, what what time is it right now? Aaron, I think it's time for a quick game here. Little known fact that is actually the original version of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, that's, oh. uh, yeah. He put that together. I, exactly. Yeah. Another thing left out of the movie. So so much shorter. Yeah. You know, you know, we were, we were gonna loop it for about eight minutes. But he, he but... didn't. He didn't have to play it upside down with his hands over his head on the piano either. So you know, it worked out. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was only reserved for people from the Muppets. Yeah. Um, I've got a game for you guys. It is called Song and Movies Named the Same. And this is where I'll uh, read an IMDb description. And if you know the answer of a movie that has a same name as a song, 
buzz in with your name and tell me the answer for the movie slash song. So make sense. So if Marcus thinks he knows the answer, he'd go Marcus, and then he'd say the answer. That is correct. Okay. Sounds I don't, good. I don't expect to hear only, Marcus, so I, I yeah, just wanted to say that's the only time you'll hear Marcus. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Marcus, you're you're about to get one of them, maybe. But here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> A young New York socialite becomes interested in a young man who has moved into her apartment building, but her past threatens to get in the way. Young man. First clue. 1961 film. <laughs> Jeez. A New York socialite and becomes interested in a young man who has moved into her apartment building. But her past threatens to get in the way. 61. Song name the same. Deep Blue Something sings the song. Mark. Mark. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Breakfast at Tiffany's is the correct answer. God, I was Next one outside. here. Oh. <laughs> we don't have to sing the song, do we? No, no. I mean, if you want to, but no. The loser has to sing all I of do them know on a separate the song, podcast though. episode. That's, that's what we do. <laughs> okay. I, what I should have said was, Mark, what about, what about Tiffany's? <laughs> Kudos on the, uh, on the, on the pitch there. <laughs> Next one here. Folk sung it. Pretty good. <laughs> a city teenager moves to a small town where rock music and dancing have been Aaron. banned. Aaron. Cut loose. Foot loose. <laughs> Bravo. That is, yes, yes. Thank you for, now, look, Mark, what you've done. You've started everyone singing. Oh, no. <laughs> Next one here. After the death of the friend, a writer recounts a boyhood journey to find the body of a missing boy. Aaron. Aaron. Stand by me. You're a little off, off key, but yeah, yeah, I'll accept it. It is stand by me. I was yawning in the middle of it. So. <laughs> oh, if I can sing God. it better, can I get the point? <laughs> do it. Uh, if we decide to do a group thing, maybe. <laughs> Next like one here. It's like the voice. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm turning around in my chair right now. I gotta find my song. Uh, that's all. <laughs> next one here. <laughs> the group NWA emerges from the mean streets of Compton in Los Angeles, California, in the mid 1980s, and revolutionizes hip hop culture with their music and tales about life in the Marcus. Hood. Marcus. Oh. Uh. 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 <laughs> Come on, Marcus. You were on this episode. <laughs> I was on the episode. And I just saw the poll. Uh, uh, straight out of straight out of straight out of Compton is correct. And thank you for rap singing. Yeah. Uh, next one here. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm out. <laughs> now now it's on Joseph, right? Yeah. Here we go. Two hip detectives protect a witness to a murder while investigating the case of stolen heroin. Aaron. Aaron. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? That is correct. It is bad boys. Oh, man. Be on your buzzers. Yeah, be on your buzzers for this one. The life and career of, imag of legendary comedian Andy Kaufman. Mark. Uh, Mark. Mark. If they believe they put a man, man on, on the moon. moon. Man oh, on the moon. Oh, I got a little <laughs> got a little harmony there. I know. Good job. That is correct, Mark. Man on the moon. 
next one here. I don't know if I, I don't know if I had the lyrics correct exactly, but yeah, it's it. pretty good. Yeah, I I think that's right. yeah. Next one here. Four teenage boys enter a pack to lose their virginity by a prom night. Uh, Marcus. Marcus. American Pie, and I. American I Pie. Oh, American yeah. Pie is correct, and if you could I'm sing a little bit of Thomas Lee's American Pie, I don't know. American I think that was a show. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We've got it there. Good All right. That one's a long <laughs> song. Yeah. Here we go. A young woman who's reinvented herself as a New York socialite must return home to her hometown to obtain a divorce from her husband. After uh, seven years, Marcus. <laughs> Sweet home, Alabama. That is correct. Yeah? <laughs> yes, that is correct. Uh, I like that you got you got stuck on the term New York socialite for your questions in this game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? IMDb, it's weird. I, I didn't think that she was a New York socialite. I didn't know what she did in that movie. Uh, next one here. Joseph, you there? Yes, I'm here. I'm All right. Oh, J- yeah, Joseph is just waiting for his uh, for the right time. Here we go. Playing, here. playing the role of Marcus. here we go here a man in illegal but hurtful business needs an escort for some social events mark mark Mark. pretty woman walking down the street that is correct (laughs) i was just waiting for that one like okay (laughs) uh next one here a hit woman working for an organized crime family in boston whose life is completely turned around when she meets a young boy Whose past she crosses when a professional hit goes bad. I'll read the one again. A hit woman working for an organized crime family in Boston. Aaron. Gloria. That is incorrect. Is it? She's not a hit (laughs) woman. Sang for nothing. Is is I I like that you sang it, but that's not the answer I'm looking for. What hit woman in Boston? A so hit woman looking for an organized crime family in Boston, whose family is complete, or whose life is completely turned around when she meets a young boy, whose past she crosses when a professional hit goes bad. A 2018 film. 2018, what the hit woman movie? Taraji P Henson stars. Oh, Aaron. Oh, Mark. <laughs> um, Aaron already got the wrong answer, so Mark. Okay, fine. Um, it's Proud Mary. Proud Mary know. is correct. I don't want to sing it. Sung by both Credence Clearwater and Tina Turner. And the last one here, I'm looking at you, Joseph. Oh my god. Pressure's on. Alright. A police officer joins a secret organization that places and monitors extraterrestrial interactions on <laughs> Earth. Come on, Joseph. Oh my, wait. Oh, hold on. Uh, is it Men in Black? Men in Black is correct, and you're on the board. <laughs> and that was the last question. It was a tight race. Mark Hoban, you are this week's winner in game. Yay. How many did he get right? You what got you? four correct. <laughs> oh <my> God, Mark, <laughs> I got three right. That yes. Marcus and Aaron first. both got three right. And uh, Joseph, you got Men in Black. It might be something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, best believe the MIB. The good guys dress in black. Remember that. <laughs> Just in case you ever make face to face to make contact. 
Uh, that was James. And yes. You're going to be able to stick around with us, or you're going to go? I do have to leave, but it has been a great, joyous time. And uh, I want to say, proud Mary, keep on burning. Okay, thank you. Okay. <laughs> thanks, thanks for chiming in, then. Yeah. Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy the rest of the show. I will be uh, listening to it when I edit it this week. Okay. All right. Bye, Abe. Bye, Abe. All right. Yeah, Bye. <laughs> all right, that guy. Uh, all right. <laughs> Thanks, Abe, for the game. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to some at now feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you. Oh wow. He was... he should have stayed just to do that. I know. <laughs> That's why I asked him. But he's a fool. <laughs> so there. Let's uh, let's get to our feedback. This is where we go over the various questions and answers on our Facebook page, facebook.com/podcast. We ask a number of questions for all the listeners, and they gave us answers. But before we get to those said questions, let's go through the one of the most challenging questions of the week, which is our poll question. Each week on the podcast, we have a poll that goes up that we put two movies against each other, uh, with the gist being voting for one saves that film, but the other that loses will be erased from existence entirely. So, with that in mind, the poll of this week's theme was music biopic edition and i put up straight out of compton against walk the line now before we get to our listener responses i want to hear from you guys what would you pick between the two which one would you save straight out of compton or walk the line you know i like walk the line better than straight out of compton uh i'm indifferent to both so <laughs> but i'm still i would still say probably straight out of compton just because i honestly don't remember walk the line so all right i will go with walk the line but it's not it's not uh, easy. I, they're pretty comparable, I think. Marcus? Oh, I uh, walk the line. I, I'm not a huge fan of Straight Outta Compton. It's it's fine. No. O'Shea, no more O'Shea Jackson movies, I guess. I go Straight Outta Compton just because I do like those performances, and I think not getting. I mean, we'd still get Joaquin Phoenix. I don't think we'd get these people that came out of Straight Outta Compton. I think there's some good good actors that have come out of that film. Uh, plus, I liked getting Paul Giamatti in multiple bad manager movies. So, you know, that's always fun as well. Um, I'm going to click the thing here. Oh, very tight. But unfortunately, Straight Outta Compton lost this round. Uh, 46% to 54% Walk the Line uh, takes it over this week. So, unfortunately, I can never mention Straight Outta Compton again because it's now been erased from history. Um, okay. Yeah, that's how uh, that's how deep this poll goes, which is, uh, you know, it's it's rough on people. Uh, all right, let's get, let's get to the, uh, the rest of these questions here. Um... Uh, all right. First question we have, and feel free you guys to uh, lend in your answers as well. Uh, what musician or group do you look forward to seeing get the cinematic biopic treatment? Chris writes The Prodigy. Jerry writes Fleetwood Mac during the making of Rumors, probably the most talked about breakup album of the period. Uh, Ruben writes Prince. Alan has Led Zeppelin. Cindy has not really my favorite band, but the Motley Crue biopic should be a hoot. Christopher has Aretha Franklin, Earth, Wind & Fire, Stevie Wonder, and Soundgarden. Marcus, you have Kanye West, and of course, and he should star as himself, obviously. Uh, <laughs> Justin has Easy Blink-182, my favorite band, but seriously, Oingo Boingo. And Mike has Dave Mustaine. Any uh, musicians or groups that you look forward to seeing? Get this the treatment? Beatles would be right up there, I would imagine. Like They've never had like a perfect biopic treatment. They've always had different documentaries, but it'd be interesting to see someone tackle their actual story. Like them as a whole, right? Because I like yeah. I like um, Nowhere Boy with uh, Aaron Johnson. I thought that was pretty good. It was about John Lennon specifically. But, uh... <laughs> I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna agree with Ruben. I want to see Prince. Yeah, the Prince one's good. <clears throat> All right. 
You don't think Kanye West? That would be a good album. I, I agree. I'm with you. I think Kanye West. <laughs> I mean, like... Well, I, I think it's too early. I, I think that story hasn't you know finished what? yet. I, I the think time is were, right for I him think, to play himself, though. He'd I think get too Kanye, old. <laughs> I think Kanye would be in his own movie, mm-hmm. and it, even if they said the worst things about him, he would be in it. I, I think he could be alive, and he could be 40, and he, they could make a rated R movie Kanye movie. He wouldn't be afraid to do himself dirty. No, not at all. Mainly because he probably wouldn't consider it dirty. He'd be like, no, that's just me. Yeah, I, I, I was know. amazing that day. What are you talking right. about? <laughs> yeah. Sure. All right, next question. What is your favorite music biopic? Alan has La Bamba. Tyler has Ray. Justin has The Doors. Chris has Easy, Fear of a Black Hat. Uh, <laughs> uh, Renee has Bohemian Rhapsody. was absolutely fantastic. Other than that, I liked Walk the Line. And Christopher has Ray. Oh, really? Amadeus, Amadeus. Amadeus comes to mind Amadeus. immediately as well. Yeah. Amadeus. Uh, I have actually never seen that movie, so I did my homework. I know, terrible. Never, you've um, never seen Amadeus? Seen... No, I haven't. Oh, it's really good. F. Murray Abraham is flawless in that movie. <laughs> so I heard. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I would say mine would probably be Love and Mercy, just because I didn't expect to like it as much. I, I thought it was very, very extremely character driven. And, and it just really, I don't know, my heart broke for that whole character. So, I don't know. I think that would be probably my top one. I love Love and Mercy also. That was in my top ten that year, Brian Wilson's story. I thought. And I'm not a, Mark, you know this, I'm not a big Paul Dano fan. So, like, getting right. that far with me, I was like, oh, this, this movie's really working. But, no, I that and Amadeus. And um, it's not specifically a music biopic, but I'm a huge fan of 24 hour party people with start Steve Coogan, which goes over kind of the, the London punk scene and like, uh, yeah, in the, in the eighties. And uh, I think that's a, a fantastic movie as well. Um, even if it's not specifically about an artist, but it's about like a lot of artists that so Steve Coogan plays this kind of uh, record industry person around them. But that's one I like shouting out a lot. Does uh, this is spinal tap count? Of course it does. Uh, so it's a rockumentary. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, next question we have here: What is your favorite Queen song? Sarah has one of one year of my love from the movie Highlander. Uh, by the way, the exclusion of Highlander and Flash Gordon from Bohemian Rhapsody and other strike against it. Um, Jerry has Killer Queen. Justin has there are so many, but We Are the Champions is always good. Tammy writes, they have an amazing catalog of music. I Want It All and Radio Gaga are top favorites. Mike has uh, You're My Best Friend. Chris has So Difficult, All Songs Off, A Kind of Magic. Cindy writes Somebody to Love. Dennis has Don't Stop Me Now. Alan has Don't Stop Me Now. And Corrine has Killer Queen. Favorite Queen tracks? Body Language. I'm kidding. <laughs> you, I don't know if you know that song, but I'm joking. My favorite is uh, We Are the Champions. Did they really make that I love I'm in love with my car song? That is a real song. Oh, jeez. I'll go with that one. Oh, Sid and Nancy is great too. Sorry, I'm just thinking of music biopics. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm a Don't Stop Me Now guy. That's 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 my favorite Queen song. I it just honestly I love them pretty much all equally. Although I will say Bohemian Rhapsody stands out the most because it is the most the who they are as a band in terms of their. They're genre bending and experimenting, so I don't know. I would probably have to go with Bohemian Rhapsody. All right. Uh, here's a question: Which music performer do you believe you have the most in in common with, whether it's in style, presence, or a general look? 
Jim writes, D. Boone of the 80s punk band The Minutemen. And Mike says, nobody cool, I'm sure. <laughs> well, Marcus, you're, you're, the, you're San Jose's Kanye West, right? That's what you consider yourself. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll go with Beck. Yeah? Beck? Okay. <laughs> I like that one. I'll go with uh, the lead singer of B-52. <laughs> a B-52? God, that's a tough one. I, mean, I don't have anybody uh, in mind. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Trying to blank here. Uh, it's all right. You don't have to worry about it. If you think of something, yeah. shout it out. Um, what's your favorite performance by a major actor playing a villain covered in makeup or special effects? This is in reference to Helen Mirren in the Nutcracker movie. Uh, Nippon writes, Tim Curry in Legend. Christopher has Heath Ledger in The Dark Knight. Renee has Tim Curry in, Le in It and Legend. Justin has Kate Blanchett in Thor Ragnarok. Mike has Josh Rowland in Avengers, Infinity War. Christopher has Lee Pace in Guardians of the Galaxy. Alan has John Leguizamo in Spawn. And Luke has Danny DeVito in Batman Returns. I'm going to go with a throwback to a much earlier time and go with Margaret Hamilton as the Wicked Witch of the West in Wizard of Oz. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Tilda Swinton in Tisperia. What about, let's see, Christopher Lloyd from Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That was really creepy at the end. Um, yeah, that high-pitched voice, too. Oh, God. Still terrifies me to this day. I love Bill Nye in the Pirates of the Caribbean. Dead Man's Chest is Davy Jones. I think he's terrific in oh. that movie. <laughs> and it's, you know, so much, it's all CG, and it's incredibly convincing. Uh, okay, next question. This one's in reference to Suspiria. What's your favorite film about the art of dance? Christopher has The Red Shoes with Maura Shearer. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Jordan has Suspiria. Uh, William has White Knights. Justin has Fame. Amy has Black Swan. Mike has Showgirls. D Jim <laughs> Dean's friend of the show has uh, They Shoot Horses, Don't They? And uh, Cynthia has Black Swan. Films about the art of dance. The dance movie from the Waynes Brothers, right, Marcus? That's your yeah. That's your no, I was gonna say Step Up to the Streets. It, I mean, it's the the third best entry in that series, but yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not I'm not joking. <laughs> yeah, no, you're absolutely right. <laughs> it's 3D all in two. That's yeah. that's the, that's that's just obvious to me. I don't know. <laughs> I'll go with Black Swan, even though it was already said. It's the popular choice. It just makes the most sense at this point. There haven't been that many. I mean, Dirty Dancing, I guess, for its like place and time, but I don't know. No, we'll save the last dance fans. They have dancing in Pulp Fiction. It's right. I, I, I mean, there's what about? I, I, I got one. What about Magic Mike? Oh, there, you there go. we go. The, the yeah, perfect. Dance. No, uh... <laughs> not a uh, not XXL. No, no. Okay. I mean, they're both good for their for different reasons, but um. The, I'll go with Magic Mike. I mean, there's Flashdance, too. I mean, that's not my favorite film or anything, but, you know, for those 80s aesthetes, there's there's that. Yeah, she's a maniac. All right. <laughs> she's dancing like she's never danced before. That's true. Yeah. All right. That was enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Thank you, Mark. All right. Let's start wrapping things up. Let's move on to Out Now. Presents out now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, streaming, all that stuff. 
Uh, first, feel free to give a yay or nay to any of these that I say. Uh, first up, coming out on Blu-ray and DVD this week, we have Incredibles 2. Yay. Yeah. Meh. No! That was wonderful. Really? Talk about Peter Lake. I feel like you know, the 20, 2004 movie was so innovative ahead of its time. And this one just kind of repeats the same thing, except only from Elastigirl's perspective. I, I don't know. It wasn't innovative, but I thought it was enjoyable. Much like the movie we reviewed this week. Next up, we have Christopher <laughs> Robin. Meh. <laughs> it's very dour. It's not... You know, you guys, you can hate on Hook all you want, but Hook was fun and entertaining and light. This I, one was just—I don't like I Hook because Hook. I don't think it's fun. <laughs> it's, I, Hook is well, fun. I think it's two you and a half hours of nonsense. I mean, I, I dislike both movies, so yeah, it's got that going for it. Um, well, like when he takes his earwax and he does the thing with his mustache. Hoffman's fine. Good. Hoskins is fine. That's that's about it. Uh, <laughs> I don't need to talk about Hook. It doesn't exist. We voted that off. <laughs> okay. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Black Klansman comes out this week, which, yay, I'm happy about that. Yes. Yay. Um, the, oh, uh, Papillion with, um, what's his name? Uh, Rami Malek is in this one. Also, but, uh, what's that actually name? get, was that actually released? Yeah, it came out in theaters for a couple weeks. Yeah, didn't do that a re- lot of business. The, the remake of Papillion that we were all waiting for? Is that with Charlie Hunnam? Who's that with? Yeah, Charlie Hunnam and Rami Malek. Yeah. As as Steve McQueen and Dustin Hoffman. A pillow. The new one. I, I thought Charlie Hunnam was going to do something big after that show. I mean, he, he he started Pacific Rim, and then he had other movies, and then he wanted his dream project of Papilla. That's what he went for. Uh, let's Wait, see. What, yeah. didn't Charlie Hunnam do a movie that Marcus picked would be a big hit? Yeah. Uh, okay, well, hmm. uh, what's the next? Oh, thing King Arthur! List? You were what's like, oh yeah, King Arthur! Oh yeah, that's right. Aaron, King you Arthur. said yeah. it was going to be the top ten hit of the summer, Marcus. Yeah. Uh, we're running out of time here. Uh, <laughs> running low on time here. In his next defense, on the he list, was amazing yeah. in Lost City of Z. I thought that yeah. was like I mean, he definitely showed his acting chops there. Finally. Everybody's great in Lost City of Z because it's a great movie. Um, let's see, Loving Pablo. This movie about Pablo Escobar with uh, Javier Bardem and Penelope Cruz. That was... I didn't even hear about that. I know, it's a movie that came out. Uh, let's see. I have something called Bel Canto, which I think had Julianne Moore in it, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that's out this week's... Uh, let's see. On Scream Factor this week, Sleepwalkers. Steve, I think it's Stephen King's Steve Sleepwalkers. No? Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, from Criterion this week, a story of... Chikamatsu. For Criterion fans out there, that's out there. Uh, let's see. HBO Succession Season 1 is out this week. I was a fan of the show. I like that one. Uh, Stranger Things Season 2 is out this week. If you don't have Netflix but desperately need to watch Stranger Things and only in a physical format, there you go, I guess. Uh, let's see. On 4K, we have Superman the Movie, uh, the first Wreck-It Ralph, Air Force One, and Law-Abiding Citizen. Finally in 4K, guys. All of those movies. Every single one of them. And, uh, yeah. Uh, things that are streaming this week. Uh, on Netflix, we have The Other Side of the Wind and The Love Me When I'm Dead. Uh, these are both Orson Welles-related things. Has either have any of you guys watched uh, either of these yet? I have yeah. not. Uh, so I did. I watched both of these. The Other Side of the Wind, which is Orson Welles' 
his his final film, which has been completed based off his notes and things that have been going on, stars John Huston. Uh, it's a movie. It's it's, it's a. I feel like I need another watch because there's a lot going on. Um, and Orson Welles is you know, if he's anything, if not ambitious, that's for sure. So you know, there's a lot there. But they'll love me when I'm dead. This is the documentary about Orson Welles and about his final project, and it's directed by Morgan Neville, who's already coming off of you know, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. He uh, he's two for two with Docs this year, guys. <laughs> like he's got some good things going on. But this uh, it's a really, especially after watching the movie, watching the doc about him making this movie and just about Wells in general, it's really interesting. Uh, so I, I'd recommend it for sure. Um, House of Cards season six. Oh, it's so, you know, um, Morgan Neville. So yeah. he's, he's done a lot of good documentaries actually. Yeah. I, I yeah. He's an Oscar winner. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> he is an Oscar winner. He didn't deserve that Oscar, but he did win. So. <laughs> he might win another one. I hope he does this time around. I'm actually right. in his camp. He better be nominated, if, or the movie, I should say. I'm team free solo when it comes to documentaries, right? I now, have not but, seen uh, free solo, but <laughs> but uh, I mean, won't you be my neighbor? Not bad. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, you know. I mean, you wouldn't be mad if it was nominated. I'm no, not of course saying. not. No, yeah. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there that I really like free solo. Um, but yeah, House of Cards season six that's also out this week on Netflix. Um, I've I'm halfway through it because only eight episodes. Uh, Joe, I think you started it, right? Yeah, I started. It's so far so good. Um, I'm not really sure about Diane Lane and Greg Kinnear's characters. The moment, if they're just, it's a little. It feels a little heightened and campy, especially Diane Lane. But I'm intrigued to find out what's going to go on with them. So yeah, I think Greg Kinnear kind of fits right in with the yeah, tone he of the thing. He's great. Um, he he kind of has that vibe to him that makes it sink in. But uh. I mean, it's not, House of Cards has never been a show where I'm like, this is just, I need, this is the, the can't, can't miss this TV, even though I'm already halfway through it. But it's, you know, it's binge, it's pretty bingeable. So it's, you know, anyway. Also coming later this week, John Leguizamo's Latin History for Morons, which I like John Leguizamo. I want to see a new stand-up special for him. <laughs> the title is funny. Yeah. You guys get that sense that he's sort of having this career revamp. All of a sudden, he, he, he pops up in things that I've always. I like John Leguizamo a lot. I think he's a very solid presence, whether he's being funny or if he's being somewhat dramatic. So it's like whenever he pops up in like these, if he's in John Wick movies. That's or, what, yeah, I was just about to say, that's the last time I saw him. I was like, oh, hey, it's you. He's in there and he pops up in like other like random dramas every now and then. It's like, cool. <laughs> I like seeing John Legs. He's going to be in the upcoming Central Park 5 movie, correct? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm hmm. So yeah, that's, that's great to me. Uh, on Amazon Prime this week, a few things. Uh, first up, Homecoming season one. Uh, oh, is that? Have you seen it? Anna and I were huge fans of the podcast, uh, which yeah, started, which okay. which is a, so. For those that aren't aware, Homecoming is a it's a narrative, it, it's a narrative podcast where there's an like a, a nonfiction narrative po- or sorry a fictional narrative podcast where there's a, an actual story being told and it has it had Catherine Keener, Oscar Isaac, David Schwimmer, they're all like David Cross. They're all like the performers inside podcast. Now Amazon and the creator of uh, Mr. Robot, star Rami Malek, uh, Sam Esmail, has adapted Homecoming into a TV series, which stars Julia Roberts and Bobby Carnavale and a number of others, Sissy Spacek. Um, and uh, it's quite good so far. We've gotten halfway through it. Um, it's really interesting to see this kind of audio play turn into a cinematic format. And I think if you're familiar with Mr. Robot in particular, you can definitely tell that Esmail has like an eye. He has a he has a, a way of doing things, and it's uh, it's a to see this go from a podcast to a TV show. They've done a good job of visualizing what's happening, um, and also adding on to it. Like it's not as straight up at it. There's 
there's there's more details since it's a TV show and not just like a 20 minute episode podcast anymore. So, but I'm a big fan. I'd recommend it for sure. Um, let's see. Wonder is on Prime now, um, which I liked. Wonder. Do you guys like Wonder? I never saw it. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, I, I know. Think, I think you'd like that. It's just like a, think, it's like a warm I'm, hug of a movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. It looks it looks sweet. Yeah. Well, it's on Prime. It's easier than ever to see. And I wrote this down just for Marcus. Tyler Perry's Boo 2 of Medea Halloween is now on Prime as well. Oh, that's the best boo. <laughs> <laughs> that should be the tag. It's the best boo, Marcus that's Robinson. It's the best boo. <laughs> Puts the spirit to shame, Marcus Robinson. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, that's what's out now. Let's, uh, let's see. Next week's show. Next week we'll be talking uh, probably Overlord. I think will be our main review. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to the Grinch and I, I don't even know if I'm going to see it. So there Grinch fans. Um, well, uh, next week is also that, uh, girl, the girl, the spiders, Ta- girl, the yes, spiders web, a new dragon tattoo story, full title. <laughs> yeah. I mean, isn't that bigger than overlord? Probably. I'm just more interested in overlord. I think honestly, right. than... I'm not making a case for either one. I'm just, Oh yeah, I hear you. Um, but yeah, well, we'll figure, Abe and I will talk about it. Um, we'll see what's happening. <laughs> But the Grinch. The Grinch. I feel like like this movie has existed before a few times already. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. It has new songs from Tyler the Creator, so you know. <laughs> In the Grinch. Yeah. The Grinch. Right. Yeah. Oh. What? None of you got. I I I don't even see previews of movies, and I do that. You guys. I didn't. <laughs> I really? Yeah. I've. I avoided. might see it now. <laughs> there you go. What's different? What is there supposed to be something different about this Grinch? Other, you know, well, is he supposed to be like happy or something? It's animated, and it's I uh, know, but and it's but Benedict Timothy Carlton Cumberbatch. Jim, and, uh, listen, oh, but ty- Jim so ty- Carrey is Jim Carrey is pretty much animated. So, uh, what's the difference between this one and that one? Illumination. <laughs> That's oh, yeah. Okay. You know, if you, if you like, does he have a different? Is he a nice Grinch? Maybe. No, he's just, you know, he's grinching it up. Oh. Just, you know, Grinch. Okay. I'm fascinated by your lack of awareness of this Grinch movie. I feel like I see billboards no, you know and previews L- everywhere for this literally thing. Literally every time I go to the movies, the preview is Grinch standing in line for a Coke, and then it's like a Coke commercial, <laughs> and he's sharing the Coke with the dog, right? But I have no clue what differentiates this Grinch from any other Grinch. Like, why am I seeing? I don't know. I mean, I'm thinking too much. Of that. I'm gonna go did, see. Did, did you? Did you Tyler see? Did you, did you see a Star Is Born? I did see a Star Is But Born. why? It's the same as the other Star Is Borns. You know what? I've never seen any of the other Star. Okay. All right. <laughs> but you have uh, seen The Grinch and Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Well, that's on TV like every year. Yeah. So. I hope this is. I hope he does something different, or like they they jazz him up some way. Maybe he's like. I don't know. I'm gonna have to have you chime in next week. I'm fascinated <laughs> to hear your take on the Grinch <laughs> this movie. But uh, let's, let's 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 continue wrapping things up here. Uh, last thing we do here is what should people go and see now, and what do you plan to see next, Joseph? Let's start with you. What should people see in theaters right now? Um, like I said, at the top of the hour, Boy Race is, is pretty amazing. Um, coming up though, you guys are gonna be super stoked that there's going to be an incredible. World-class movie known as Widows, so people should really be stoked for that. All right, uh, Marcus, what, what should be the people see in theaters right now? Suspiria. 
You can find it. <laughs> you can find three hours to kind of sit in the theater and then kind of recover. Go watch it and then like contact me. I'll leave my uh, my contact information and let me know what you think. This is Wait, a fascinating. Um, <laughs> Marcus, scale no, from I, one to ten. What, how did you like the film? You know what? Scale to one to ten. I, I a four. Oh. Okay. But it sounds like I I hated it. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> a three and a four. Three. I fluctuated between a three and a four. I look forward to you seeing this movie again, since that's what it seems I, like you secretly want to do. I don't know. But you you seem fascinated um, by it. Marcus, I'm, fa- I'm fascinated in a movie that I found wildly boring and it's two and a half hours <laughs> long and I sat through it and I wanted to sit through it. Like, was was I under a spell? It, what, uh, you know? <laughs> I know, it, it is what it is. Anyway, uh, the movie I want to go see is The Grinch. I want to see this new world <laughs> Grinch. So, okay. I want to see this Grinch. Maybe he visits... Uh, I don't know. Like, is it, maybe Tyler Creator's in the movie. Probably. You never know. That guy's doing a lot of things. He's a creator. Is he? Maybe he raps. Well, he does. I mean, in the trailer, at least, he's got a, he's got songs. What? I said. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna. Go, I'm, okay. <laughs> okay. No, like the Grinch raps. I'm hoping the Grinch. Oh, oh, well, better. Yeah. You know, you never know. He's up to things too. <laughs> Mark, what should people see in theaters right now? Uh, so if you want to go see something uplifting, I would recommend Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, as long as you're a fan of Queen's music. If you want something a little bit more to chew on, then I would say The Hate You Give. What do you see next? Uh, I'm going to see Suspiria. Marcus, let's go. <laughs> Listen, I, I want to know what you think. I'll, I'll, I'll see it at the, I'll see it put, down in San Jose. This movie put a spell on uh, I would say if you can see Suspiria, you know, go see it because it, I, I I do like it quite a bit, and I think it, it does it it will emit a, lot, a variety of reactions that I think are more challenging than the the average one. Uh, the Hate You Give still in theaters, I think it is quite strong as well. First Man still in theaters, and I think it's also quite strong. And Free Solo um, is in a, is in a number of theaters as well, which I think is a great documentary and very exciting to watch. So, Aaron, yeah. compare Suspiria the original with the remake. Oh, what do you like better? I mean, they're they're different movies. I I would give them like the same rating, honestly. And I think there's there, there's more to chew on in this new one for obvious. When you see it, it'll be obvious because there's some complex themes involving uh, um, involving believing, <laughs> involving, belie- involving believing women, involving feminism, involving the war itself, the toll it takes, involving forgiveness, um, the toll of um, oh yeah, none of, of that's of, of World the War original. II. No, yeah, there's, I there's actually a lot of I think the the original has sort of become retroactively one of the greatest horror films of all time. And I mean, within like these lists that when they list like 50 or a hundred uh-huh. horror films, I don't, I mean, I think Suspiria is kind of a goofy film and that I sort of it is. Li- lightly enjoy. I, I, but I, 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 I like it more than that, but I, I know what you're saying. I wouldn't rank it as like one of my favorite horror films. I think it's a right. great, I think it's a great exercise in style for sure. Um, it's it's a great looking movie. It's it's fun to watch. It has it does have a lot of goofiness in it. <laughs> this one eliminates the goofiness factor, <laughs> but it's yeah, for no someone reason. like me who has never seen it. I mean, where would I even find it? Like, it's they took it off Filmstruck a while ago, correct? It's actually I you can see it for free. It's on a, a web streaming service called 
Tubi or something. Okay. I think it's on Prime now. There's a lot of there's a lot I, of Argento on Prime right now. I think that's I don't what think I think that one is though. Okay. I th- I think it's the only place, but it is free. It's like a, okay. an app. And I mean, it got a b- beautiful new Blu-ray release last year, so I mean, it looks better than ever if you get it on. That's better. Physical yeah. Media. What, what's Blu-ray, Aaron? I have no clue what that is anymore. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah, okay, keep keep keep, your, keep, filling your that, keep filling out that keep the petition for Filmstruck that's not going to come back. I'll collect my physical right. media that's not gone anywhere. <laughs> uh, next up, I'm seeing Destroyer. By the way, the uh, new Karen Gasama film with uh, Nicole oh, yeah. I am uh, looking forward to that one. Uh, but yeah, all right, that's going to do it for this week's episode about now with Aaron Abe. You can find more of my work on my personal blog, thecodezeek.com. All my reviews go over there. You can also find me writing at We Live Entertainment. Um, I'm covering The Walking Dead currently, as well as other uh, film reviews and what have you. And you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4. Mark Hoban, where can people find more of you? You can find more of my work on my personal blog, fastfilmreviews.com. And you can also follow me on Twitter, Mark underscore Hoban. Marcus Robinson. Uh, movies Marcus, Twitter. I'm going to eventually write something. I, I look forward to it. It's coming. It. Suspiria, I have my review. I, I will be posting it tomorrow. So, yeah. Right. <laughs> Just, you know, Marcus, when... <laughs> oh, God. With, what? When they post the review... Just uh-huh. have like hold up your phone and have it dictate into it all the words, and then just copy that and post it. Oh wow, that would be a yeah. Okay, you know I'm you sure talk to your phone and it yeah. So just you, li- just replay what you said and just copy that and post it. There you go. Review <laughs> instant done. Joseph Everman, where can people find more of you? Uh, apparently, I live and breathe on Twitter, according to most of my friends. I will be on Twitter a bunch, uh, at JB Award Circuit, and I also write for AwardCircuit.com, and next week, actually, AFI Fest kicks off, so I will be covering that for right. about a week or so. Very cool. Uh, yeah, you can find more of the uh, episodes about now with Aaron Abe over on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify. We're back on Stitcher. I finally updated that, so we got Stitcher going as well for people to use just that platform. Uh, feel free to email us any thoughts that you've had on Bohemian Rhapsody or anything else to talk about today over at Podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at facebook.com slash outnowpodcast, twitter.com slash underscore podcast. And uh, please send plenty of um, plenty of queen gifts that maybe turn into scary clowns to Abe over at Um Joseph, Marcus, Mark, it's been great talking to all of you today. Thank you for having me. Likewise, thanks. Thank you for having me. For sure. And yeah, I look forward to having you guys back in uh, you know, various forms uh, throughout the, uh, the rest of the year and what have you. But until next week, until we get back to all that, that's going to do it for this week's episode. So until then, so long and goodbye. I'm gonna have myself a real good time. I feel alive. And the world
Thanks a lot, guys. Enjoy the rest of the show. I will be right. listening to it when I edit it this week. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. All right. Yeah, Bye. <laughs> all right. That guy. Uh, all right. <laughs> Thanks, Ed, for the game. Let's uh, let's move on now. Let's get to some at now feedback. 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 Thank you. Mark. Oh wow. He was... he should have stayed just to do that. I know. <laughs> That's why I asked him. But he's a fool. <laughs> so there. <laughs> 